Used to be on top of my phone like crazy, and I'm not anymore. That's a good thing. You <sighs> yeah. Oh, and you called me. I'm sorry. You're good. Once I got up to the door, I heard it, so I called, <laughs> and then you didn't pick up. So I was like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are live now. We're live. Yeah, we're live. With the, with the um. Six ways from Six Sunday. Six ways from Sunday podcast. We we apologize if it's a little choppy. And it's honestly, that. that's what we're gonna do from now on. I'm I am making an amend to our plan. We are no longer gonna edit. We're gonna record every podcast. Oh. Drop it. Hot takes. Drop it. One and done. Pure honesty. All right. And because uh, I've been trying to do it a certain way, and it just hasn't been working out. So we're just gonna we're gonna do it like that from now on. All right. So that's how you're gonna get it raw and uncut. All right. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, welcome to the A Space Podcast. This is a uh, Six Ways from Sunday special. If you're uh, listening to us, you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio apps. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at A Space Podcast. And if you'd like to donate, you can donate to us. At cash sign a space podcast on the cash app. Let's get into it. Yeah. What's topic one? Talking about games. 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 Games shit show right now. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> well, not all games. Monster Hunter World is doing really well right now. They uh, had the uh, successful free content drop. Let me repeat that. Free content drop. For a sixty dollar game, no game pass, no season pass bullshit. <laughs> no, we're gonna sell you some shit for three bucks that you pre-ordered, right? That you could have pre-ordered. That isn't even the best thing in the game, anyways. None of that bullshit. Oh, well, let's let's right. talk about Destiny here. Oh, jeez. Right. I downloaded right. Destiny. Woo! That was the worst. How are you gonna? How are you gonna market a game? Who are you telling? Me? I played Destiny One. Free to play. I ran a clan on that. On Destiny One, yeah, but two, I was just like, oh, this is this is horrible. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. All year one and two content for Destiny Two, you cannot access. Nope. And for me, playing a game, that's kind of like, why? Why is it that I can't right. access? And then if you did stuff. play all that and you paid for all that and you grinded all that progress, when they made it free to play, they leveled everybody's light out. Oh yeah. So you start out at level seven hundred. Yeah. Any grinding you did, all that work you put in, all those months, gone. Right. Doesn't matter. You're, you're useless. Might as well have gotten into the game in year year three. Yeah. When they like, made it free to play. Like, what was the point? And right. now the drop rates are going to be. Adjusted for those weapons and those that loot, so you're not gonna have to work as hard for it. But anyway, so this is yeah, Bungie's. To, to be fair, I'm framing it in a negative light, and we've had a negative <laughs> feel to it. But I'm, I'm gonna try and be fair because Bungie did the right thing. They were riding the the peg for a little while there on Activision. Yeah. And a lot of the people at the heads of Bungie were uh, resting on their laurels from their work at Microsoft and Halo. 
And so they weren't listening, really. You know, they had the community feedback, though. They had a couple of them. I think the original guy is still there, but people typically prefer Earth. And, um, to the best of my knowledge, now that they've made that change, they've stepped away from Activision. They're really trying to put in effort to the content. They're focusing more on the lore. According to the recent drop, there's a lot of lore in it, which is good because that's what keeps people playing the game. Right. right? On top of good gameplay mechanics that feel good. Once you get tired of running those gameplay mechanics over and over and over again, the reason you come back to a game is because you appreciate the lore. And it's a good universe. It's a universe you you feel like you, you fit into. That being said, the way they executed this drop is still just as terrible as they've always done. Iron Banner came out. The update for that was terrible. The Iron the Ironborn expansion came out. And they reset everything. They added it in the micro. They expanded the microtransaction store. Which did include in-game content. Which were called augments that could give you a plus five light boost. Which is what you needed in order to max out. And in regular gameplay, that didn't matter, but in the raids, it mattered. It affected your damage table, it affected your defense table. And in PvP, uh, in the live PvP event, the, um, God, it's been as long as I right now. The Iron Banner, there we go. No, Crucible. No, Crucible is a regular day-to-day mm-hmm. variant. And then oh, you had Iron, Iron Banner, Banner came through. Yeah, yeah, Iron yeah. Banner is where, you know, if you want to play PvP, they, they adjusted it so that it had a light modifier in, right. the, in the damage table and defense table. And as long as you were you were within two to three light of somebody that you were shooting at in Iron Banner, you had pretty much the same markers, you know. If they were getting body shots and you were getting headshots, you'd win if you were a couple light lower, right? But, anyways, so they threw all that out the window every time they did a drop. All the grinding you did, everything. They just made it easier for people jumping on board to catch up, which a lot of hardcore gamers fucking hate. Alright? Me in particular, as, as somebody who's willing to put in the time and grind the game, even hack and slash games like like Monster Hunter World, you know, where you're grinding for loot, for completion sets and different bonuses, it bugs me that I paid you money on top of my internet service, on top of my PS4 service, or Xbox service, or PlayStation service, or PC service. To buy right. him extra. So game. then buy your game. Right. And then you go and you literally make me wish I hadn't played it the last six months. Yeah. That's irritating. Beyond belief. That's abuse of your consumer. That's like, here's your chocolate cake. Oh, by the way, there's no chocolate in it. But if you wait an hour... At a dinner table, we'll bring you more chocolate cake. So really, you gave me a vanilla cake, but you charged me for a chocolate cake. Fuck right. off. Okay. I think I think that uh, that's the problem with what Destiny is going to be. Mm-hmm. Is and that if you're gonna have a continuation of the leveling, right, throughout the entire life of the game, you're basically going to put it to where people can 
So this is the problem. They're trying to do it to where people can jump in at any point in right. the life of the game right. and still be on par with it. Because that's about the only way they can give longevity to the game anymore. But then because why the be a grind of a game? Right. Why you know, why put in loot table ratios that literally uh, that literally? Well, no, no, no. Why why can, why grind? That's what I'm saying. Just like, wait. If you can play the in, game, yeah. If you're if you're designing it to be a casual game from a designer standpoint and from a, a marketing standpoint if you want your game to be casually attractive day-to-day people fathers teenagers who have whatever going on in their lives right you want to be able to pick up the game where they left off and then eventually you know within some reasonable amount of time get to the in-game content enjoy the in-game content why would you put in tables loot drop tables that have Less than a two percent modifier on them, right? Right. Why would you put in part of your in-game content into the microtransaction store, right? Why would you do that if you're if you're uh, if you're trying to bring in casual people? You're, you would think you would make a more generous loot table so that when you're playing casually, you can still get the good drops, not loot tables that are designed for hardcore gaming and streamers or gamers and streamers that are going to spend hours every day grinding a game right yeah then you should have a loot table that's kind of limited in how often the good stuff drops because that's how you give those players the reward and the time investment or you specify it right you get you make it a, a specific quest that they can pick up which they've done a fair amount of tuning for for the exotics. They've tuned a lot of them to specific quests, and those quests can take one to three days, typically, depending on how much you play. Or they could take you a week or two, depending on how much you play. The other problem that they've had, that I believe they still have, is that they still time-gate stuff. Right, So they time-gate release stuff post-launch in order to increase the longevity of the game, but it's already built into the expansion. Oh, gotcha. Right, it's yeah. not like, hey, pay us 35 bucks, and in the next two months after the expansion's live, we're going to finish this other thing that we didn't have time to finish. Yeah. That's not what they're doing. They're saying, give us 35 bucks for this expansion. We know it's not worth 45 or 60 which is fair, because it's not. And I think the marketing crews awaken to that fact. But what they're still doing is one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks after launch, you know, up to two months after a launch of an expansion, they're unlocking time locks in the expansion for stuff that you bought two months ago that you haven't been able to play because they're like, because they engineer it so that you don't reach that destined, that point in the game until then, right? Right. There's a lot of throttling, XP throttling that was going on, which is common in every game, but the way Destiny had marketed or Bungie had marketed Destiny is that there wasn't any. Right, they said grind as much as you want, and you'll get rewarded for your grinding. And that's not the case when you have an XP throttling system that literally cut the XP you're earning in half mm-hmm. after a certain amount of XP gain. Right, so basically, after you gain the average amount of XP a, a casual gamer would get in a day or two, right? Yeah, I think at the time it was like 500,000 XP or something it would cut the XP you got from random events and completions of different run-throughs of different quests and things like that. Yeah. It's like, why? 
Well, the reason why, as anybody who's ever experienced a game infested with microtransactions, is that it's designed to irritate you to the point that you want to go and try and buy that loot box in order to get a chance at getting the content that you want. Right. Now, Destiny in particular, there was a much more limited microtransaction setting, right? It was mostly cosmetic. 99% was cosmetic with the later additions being the augments, elemental augments, bonus armor augments, that kind of thing. But in other games, like FIFA, NBA 2K... Well, wait, 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 no, in Destiny, it was tied to progression, too, because... It was. With the Eververse, in Destiny 1, you had different sparrows that had different upgrades to it that when Sparrow Racing League came out... That's true, when Sparrow Racing came out, but when Sparrow Racing came out, you could Mm -hmm. specifically complete event-related quests to Mm -hmm. give you the better sparrows, Not, not... Specific ones. I know, but imagine when Sparrow Racing League came out and you already had it because Mm -hmm. you bought it in the Eververse a couple weeks ago. No, it didn't exactly work like that. The Eververse expansion came along later, and the ones you got originally from the Eververse didn't have... They were like a Tier 2 Sparrow, and the Tier 3 Sparrows were the fastest. They did 160, like 180. So they came out with faster ones after they did that reverse. Every every time when they brought Crimson Sparrows back again, or Sparrow Racing back, rather, alongside the Crimson Doubles event, that's when they added in new Sparrows that were like 180, custom designs, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that was in the um, Cabal expansion, I believe. Okay. Which was a really good expansion. I love the Cabal expansion. Yeah. Solid expansion. I thought it was worth forty bucks given the in game content and the raid, but are you talking about are you talking about the um not the you're, not, world the world year. Yeah, so the one where it started out on the Cabal moon, but then it moved on because you found out that the blight out, was It's called infecting. the Red War. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you talking about D one or D two? D two. Oh, okay, 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 gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Where the cabal, you go to the moon to investigate, and you come back, and on your way back in, the cabal See, that's how come in and destroy the city. Into D2, ca- I'm not. Capture mm-hmm. the traveler. I thought you were talking about D1, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought it was really yeah. good. The story was a bit meh, because the in-boss mm-hmm. fight was a little predictable. So you play a little D2? Yeah, I played a lot of D2. Oh, okay. Until, um, I stopped... I stopped around the time the, the Cabal raid came out, the Kalish raid, because I couldn't really find a crew that, oh, that was yeah. regularly enough to grind it the way you had to grind it, and that were skilled enough and succinct enough. Right. You know, it's it would be me, one or two other mature hardcore gamers, and then mm-hmm. we'd have three kids screaming at Mike about what to do and <laughs> telling people what to do, and it's like, this is their first raid game that they've ever played, you know, they right. didn't run raids of WoW or Diablo or mm-hmm. anything like that, so getting them to stay focused for an hour to grind out the raid is yeah. like, oh Jesus. Because yeah. again, when you're when it's that new into a game, you've got to teach people the mechanics, they've got to get the timing right, people have to get used to playing with each other. So you have these different issues, especially in a a mediocre MMO. Yeah. Not to rag on Destiny or Bungie, but Compared to other raids, their raids are mediocre because of the way their game is set up. And it's 
for the amount of stress you went through, you didn't really get a lot of reward unless you're somebody who had three characters and you would cycle out one character. So you had three characters, but only two types of characters, right? So you got Hunter, Warlock, and Titans. And at any given point, when a new raid came out, if you were hardcore about it, you would have two of one type. You'd either have two Hunters, two Titans, or two Warlocks, or you'd have three. And so you would just, when the new raid came out, you would use the uh, story to level up your character to the new flat light level, right? Right. And so when you cre- destroy, create that character, run that character through the story the week leading up to, right? Run through the vanilla story, skip the first expansion, and then you run them through the Cabal story. And that's basically all you had to do. You didn't have to do the first or second raids. You just ran through the stories, level up your character to the flat light level you needed into the raid. And then you had three characters that you could transfer armor through that were all the same type. And so you could grind out one set of characters, loot, right. and max them out pretty quickly in one week, right? And so you usually do that with your main, and then you just remake your warlocks or your titans or whatever your off character was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other problem that Destin had was <laughs> they couldn't ever really get the balancing right for PvP, right? They oh, had all yeah. these issues with like loot tables and stuff and PvE, and light modifiers and things like that, and grinding. But in PvP, it was even worse, because they couldn't decide... Some guns were better than others. Some guns were better than others, but the main problem that it's always had is the classes or damage tables aren't balanced. Yeah. Right? There's set skills. The trees all have the same amount of trees, same amount of perks, same amount of melee skills versus uh, abilities, right? Grenades versus melee abilities, whatever. And for some reason, they just didn't do flat damage tables across the classes, right? Like, a Titan's melee was weaker than a Warlock's because a Warlock's had slight range to it. But a Titan's shoulder charge could one-shot you because yeah. that's their melee ability, right? Right. And it didn't have to... It didn't matter if it hit your foot, it would one-shot you, right? If you're trying to jump over it, it hits you, one-shot. Instant kill box. One-shot kill shot. But Warlock melees couldn't do that. They could eventually when the Stormcaller class came out, but then they nerfed them. Because <laughs> Titan players are very pissy. <clears throat> and Titan players are very vocal in the community. But Hunters have always had this problem of being underbalanced, right? Because of their mobility and their precision based. And they're, they're really a more a precision and skill based weapons uh, style character. Can I pause you real quick? Yeah. Because I have. And I'm probably a part of a larger group of small group of people within gaming where I do not want developers to start, like, making base damage or base type of movement or behavior for characters. Because I think one very good example is... We're still on Destiny, but I'm going to go to Apex for a minute because it's the only oh, play like this. It's like, alright, so if anybody plays Apex, right? Wraith. Wraith's hitbox is the smallest of any character, right? But then you have, then you have Caustic. You're talking about her character hitbox, not where her abilities go. Right, exactly. Okay. So, but Caustic and Gibraltar are the bigger characters, so they have a larger hitbox. Mm-hmm. So... What they did was they gave them an extra perk, which allows them (coughs) 
to uh, to better absorb incoming damage. Uh, damage, so they take less damage because their hitbox is larger. Right. Which I agree with. That's that's <clears throat> cool. Like that works. And if you look at the two characters, Something. they're bulkier characters. They are, and they're both. One is meant to be a trapper that is meant to be a defense, and another is meant to be a defense also that that helps out. But my thing is, if you have a character that you know is bigger, so you give him an extra perk because their hitbox is larger, why would you have to develop her from day one, from the release of the game, make every single character... Because have the same movement speed on the generic level that works. But my thing is, why would? You, but my thing is, I'm why would you have? How, why would you have them have the same movement speed? I'm getting there. My thing is, I no no no. I'm getting what? there. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to ask you a question. Right. In a in a extremely unique character based game like Apex or Borderlands, you can design the abilities of the characters around. Their physical I don't know characteristics. Why we keeping the drink over there. We should just bring it. I know we should just bring it over here. Just go grab it. We'll get that drink. God, I love six ways from Sunday. We don't typically drink on the other podcast, but on this one, we get to imbibe. Let's do it. All right. So you saying? So in a in a game where the characters are unique enough. Yeah, it makes sense to have thematic-based stats. But in a game like Destiny, where the concept is, as a casual gamer, you can pick any one of these characters, and with little to average skill, you can six, you can progress in the game, right? It's not going to box you into a specific playstyle. Because it's, not, it's a casual gaming experience, they don't want to make it so unique Right, And so what they did was when they designed the character classes, they said, alright, what are our elements? We need a ranged ability, which came in the form of grenades, most often. And we need a melee ability, which was typically close range. Now, uniquely, the hunter had a melee ability that was ranged from the very beginning. This is the, the throwing knife. Right, and so you would throw it, and it would basically just drop the shield, unless you got headshot. Right, and this is where I'm talking about. It's more of a skill-based class. You can spec it in the generic, in the stats, and things like that, and in the abilities you want to use. You don't have to use throwing knives, but they were there. Um, and so you could spec it so that you didn't have to rely on that, or you could choose the other class um, that didn't come with the throwing knife that came with a lunging melee ability, right? And then you had a couple of abilities that were core the same, but they executed slightly differently, and that's how all characters work. But every character has the same hitbox in Destiny. A Titan's hitbox is just as big as a Hunter's, despite the fact that the characters look like they scale differently because of the way the armor is designed, right? But the Hitbox, the core hitbox, the system reads the hitbox the same. Right, so when you pick a smaller, like if you go with a female type character in Destiny, when you actually measure them up in a in the 
open area next to your, your friend, you're the same height. You're the same width. But, when you're running around across the map, you look smaller because your armor's smaller. It's a trick in the eye in the visual cortex of the brain. But, regardless, you still had Titans with one-shot abilities, Warlocks with one-shot abilities, and Hunters who were like, eh, maybe, if you have enough skill. Like, that's crap. They're sticky grenades on the Hunter wouldn't one-shot you, but the sticky grenades from Warlocks or Titans would. And over time, they messed with that a little bit. Grenades got better, worse. Um, like I said, Warlocks... See, I'm, I'm one to not have a problem with that. Just like... I, as a, as a skill-based player, no, I don't have a problem with it. But just but like... the problem is, when the other 90% of the gaming community on my game that I play does not meet my skill level, I'm suffering in PvP. I'm losing, right? And therefore getting crappy rewards because you poorly designed the game for casual-based gamers. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. Now, then they had the whole super fiasco where every class has a super ability, has an ultimate, whatever. It's supposed to be a one-shot kill shot in PvP. That's how they designed it. They were like, you get enough kills, you get the super, maybe go on a killing spree, maybe you win the game, right? Designed to make you feel good, powerful, do fancy plays, you can clip, highlight. Titans. You could spec a Titan to the degree that if they're in their super, right, and you're a hunter or a warlock, and you use your super... For the Hunter's Gunslinger, it would take two shots of the Gunslinger to kill it. Because he's in his super. Despite the fact that it's supposed to be a one-shot kill shot. Regardless of if you're in your super or not. Right? The only way you could kill a Titan in their super with a single shot from gold from Gunslinger's uh, golden gun ability was if you had the Nighthawk Helm, which was a later release to try and help fix the problem, right? Well, which is that funny. That Nighthawk shot multiplied yeah. your damage table by 15. Mm. That's how much more damage you needed to kill him. Well, I've never, I, when I was playing D1, I never had an issue killing the Titan. People right, again, my, again my most people aren't that good. So they run around on a Titan using the shoulder charge or their gun skills. They get a super, and then they save the super when they come around the corner, and somebody has a shotgun, they just panic smash and kill you. Mm. Right? Or you're in your super, you're a warlock in Sunsinger, right? Mm -hmm. And you're throwing grenades out, and so they just charge the corner because they know they don't actually have to see you to kill you. If they, show, if they ground slam in the doorway, they will kill you. Mm-hmm. And they take that chance, and they're right. Despite the fact that you're in your super, and you're supposed to take reduced damage, right? But then if you, yeah. but then if you hit them with your, with your super ability, it doesn't kill them. And stormcallers, no. To be fair, stormcallers on the warlocks had the same problem. Yeah, their melees would one shot. Like yeah, stormcallers <sighs> sucked. For a while, they were so OP. Yeah, I. It was everything in PvP. 
didn't matter. Like in their it range sucked on when their you own had was like ridiculous. everybody call Stormcaller at the end of like a close match. The only match. way I was ever so, able to kill a Stormcaller, which is terrible because it wasn't with my super. With a golden gun. No, I used to get him with the golden. gun. You could get him <laughs> if you can. If you were lucky enough to get him with the golden gun, like if you had yeah. your super when they had it, yeah, you could get distance. You could jump up in the air, all pop, yeah. get an easy headshot. Yeah, but. Weapon-wise, the only way I could kill him was with the um, Void Exotic exotic Blade from uh, yeah. the first, um, was Crota's dad's name, the Oryx expansion, because it literally bent you backwards, right? So it folded your hitbox in half mm. and expanded the hitbox of the sword. And I literally was crouching behind a corner to avoid the lightning, you know, uh, Stormcaller was coming around shooting lightning at me, and the second it sparked on me, I pulled the, the trigger. I pulled the, the heavy swing trigger, and I did a void spin, and I ducked under the lightning, and I killed him. <laughs> and I still almost died. Yeah. But it took, like, in PvP, you get, like, one of those if you have a sword. Right? If you have an exotic sword, that's, like, one whole swing. Or right. one ammo box. It's a Maybe you get, maybe you don't. Right. That's not reliable enough to counter a super. Okay. Because you used to spawn like. It, it only spawns twice in a, yeah, in a game. Throughout the match. It would spawn twice in two locations. Typically on the smaller maps, it would spawn one time in the middle or twice and one spot in the middle. Um, but you couldn't, you can't count that as a balance. Right. You're counting on the RNG factor of maybe. Your teammate doesn't fucking steal it and, and then instantly die and give the heavy ammo to the enemy. Because <laughs> oh, you can my. pick it up from their corpse. So to me. <laughs> it's terrible. Like yeah. they're like running around with a rocket and you're like, oh, why? Like Galley to the face. Like, dude, like you run through a freaking doorway with the heavy and you don't even get a chance to use it and you get sniped. Yeah. Like, and then it doesn't appear for your teammate because you got killed. Right. It appears for the enemy, so they just let it sit there. Uh, I wonder if they changed that. I don't think they have. I could be wrong. If you if you're still playing Destiny Two, God rest your soul. But let me know, um, in uh, the comment section and uh, or in an email to us. But um, I don't think the problem is. They're, they don't have the manpower to overhaul the system to balance it correctly. Right. Right. So if you spec for armor for PvP, right, and you minimize mobility and your regeneration rates, right, which everybody, they all have those same three stats. You can spec for regen, you can spec for armor, you can spec for speed. Obviously, hunters typically spec for armor and speed. Warlocks would spec for regen and armor, right, and then right. Titans would spec for armor and speed. But if a Titan spec for armor, their tables were better than a Hunter's that did. Which made no sense because their hitboxes are the same. The gunplay is the same. They don't have different abilities that make guns do more damage. Right. Even on the Gunslinger class, which was designed around the use of hand cannons or uh, uh, limited ammunition weapons like heavy weapons, kill kill streaks. For, in PvE, really, it didn't really help a lot in PvP unless you were really, really good at headshots. They would aim and reload, so you could use high damage, slow reload weapons, right? Yeah. But you would never get a damage buff, you know? 
and certainly not in PvP where you had to get multiple headshot kills in a row in order to trigger the ability for fast reload or things like that. Yeah. You know, that was very rare. That was you would get that back in like the Destiny One vanilla days when Thorn was like two shotting people. Yeah. Then it would work. Then it was just busted. Right? You two shot, reload Thorn instantly, and then you just hit fire with bonus accuracy or the last word. You come off the hip around the corner, hit fire, get a kill, reload, and then your next shot does bonus, does um has increased accuracy. So it's not really dealing bonus damage unless you're good at zooming in and picking <laughs> up the head, the head on a moving target with a short-range weapon. You know, so it's very skill-based in that sense. Yeah. And so, but that's gunplay. That's not class play. Yeah. And so the classes have just always been in this flux of balance and of imbalance I should say and it's really just crappy they need to redesign the stat system well a lot of Destiny players have been uh, playing Borderlands 3 now oh yeah and it's spoiling them rotten because they can (laughs) spec classes for for a specific type of way they enjoy to play a game right they don't have to conform to a one of three restricted play styles in order to complete a raid, which was another Which problem. Borderlands 3 is probably going to get a raid, did you hear? Yeah, yeah, which I think it should. That'd be awesome. Raid another vault instead of waiting another five years to finish vault hunting. Right. Right, like, do raids in different planets for vaults. Like, yeah. you know, maybe make one in expansion. Right. Like, give it some longevity. You can, I have no doubt that they could design a uh, live service game around uh-huh. that. And make it and do it right because the core game is designed right. The uniquity of those characters enables larger and smaller hitboxes, right? The abilities and the, and the number of passive abilities you have in those streets right. that benefit those abilities is incredible. I just I just wish video games would make it so that there are inconsistencies because it would. Because then people life. stop complaining about the inconsistencies in games. That market themselves as no, the but game. yeah, but but then it would like mirror real life. I, that's true. I feel like that's that's the issue. Yeah, and then you could build a more unique character playstyle that you would relate to. Like me, I love right. MMOs and RPGs because I'm always picking a rogue or stealth class. That's me. Yeah, and I'm like in real life if I gotta go do some work, then I'm not gonna be out there building up an army to go get stuff done. I'm just gonna go do it. Yeah, that's. That's just how I am. And I get, not everybody's like that. Some people like, you know, the safety numbers, ideas, and some people like the rallying cry, whatever. That's just not my play style. I'm a loner when I play games. I prefer to be maximized, maximize my efficiency, which generally means finding whatever regen abilities in the game and finding whatever stealth abilities are in the game and utilizing them and finding whatever weapons and armor complement it. And usually they look really, really good. Right. Which is the other nice thing is that usually they look amazing. Yeah. Um, but other than that is, you know, when I look at stuff like Destiny 2 and I, I see that they're trying, but I just don't think the game was designed right from a core concept. I think Apex has the best best game plan. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here, here's a... $3 skin that's going to be useless in two years. <laughs> so $3 skin? Try like, again. Like $5, $10, no, $15, $20 skins. 
it's going to be useless in a few years. Like, and so, and so this brings us to the next thing that I want to talk about. Actually, the ESRB has been coming under a lot of heat lately um, for their support of games that have in-game <laughs> that have in-game based gambling and misrating them because supposedly you know they're reviewing this up to an hour-long video on a triplet game and. It's an annual game, and supposedly the game's play-tested, and da-da-da-da-da. And then they give it an E for everybody rating, despite the fact that it has a gambling system in it. And the reasoning for this, as the ESRB has stated, is that they do not see loot boxes, specifically loot boxes where you use in-game currency of some sort to buy a loot box that has randomized items in it. They don't count that as a gambling system. Like they don't see that as a slot machine, which is the common comparison for loot boxes, right? They don't see that as a slots machine in a casino because you're not betting one real world money. You're not using real world currency to buy it specifically. Although it is still real world money because you're putting in real world money to the game in order to get the in-game currency, right? You can buy the in-game currency with real-world money. But they say that doesn't count. The second element that they say makes it not gambling is that they're not actively betting in the game. Which makes no sense. They say because you're not actively betting, it's not gambling. So apparently they've just never played dice or craps or any luck-based game at the ESRB. And the ESRB loves this metaphor. It's the uh, baseball card pack or trading card pack metaphor. They view loot boxes this way. You invest a flat amount, you get X number of items from it, and you know you're going to get something, but you don't know what you're going to get. Now, the problem with that, ESRB, if you hear this, the problem with that is that if I go out and I buy a pack of baseball cards, or Yu-Gi-Oh cards, or trading cards of any kind, I get that set of cards permanently. It comes into my possession physically. I can take it on a trip to Vegas. I can take it on a trip to Paris. If I buy a loot box with in-game currency, whether I've earned it in the game, or I've bought it with real-world money, and it converted it into in-game currency before I bought the loot box. I can't keep that digital content because the games become obsolete. Especially in games that are annual release games like NBA 2K, like FIFA World Cup. Right. Right? Those are annual games that come out. Rather than updating the player list and graphics and the clients... Right? Rather than doing any of that, they just release an entire new game, they say it's a new game, it's brand new, oh, it's so, give us another 60 bucks, oh, and by the way, we're going to set up the XP in the game so that eventually you're going to hit a wall that's too hard for your skill level, and you're going to have to buy better players. Oh, but you can't actually buy specific players to flesh out the weaknesses in your team? No, 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 you're just going to have to randomly get those players. And the best players have the same drop rates as the best weapons and armor in Destiny. They have a less than 2% modifier on their equation, and that's how often they drop. 
Doesn't matter. So wait, are you criticizing Apex here, or are you criticizing it? I'm criticizing the ESRB mm-hmm. for the reasoning and their logic behind not recognizing loot boxes as in-game gambling, therefore giving other games that would be rated M for Mature, like FIFA, because they have a gambling element, right? Or T for team. The ESRB, is the so the ESRB's with, rating for yeah. gambling is T for team. Okay. All right, fine. That's fair. I think most teenagers understand gambling anyways. You know, they learn at some point, either playing cards with their family or making a bet with somebody in the family and losing a challenge. They figure it out. Hmm. Point being, the ESRB's logic is that it's supposed to be like a baseball card or a trading card. And it's not, especially in games that are annual games, that when the next game comes out, they're going to stop providing service and servers for me to play this game where I have a fleshed out team. Whether it's FIFA or NBA 2K, eventually those servers are going to be shut, that game's going to be shut down on that That's server. That's why people do free-to-plays now. Like right, PUBG and then you pay for Apex. service. Now, that's if I'm paying for a service, if I'm paying for a service, like a live service game, I don't want to have to buy my content that I need to win. I've already paid you for a AAA game. Well, don't get me wrong. So wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about a free to play or AAA? Because if I'm playing a free to play AAA game. And I, say what, that, what, I only say what, that because NBA What free-to-play is not AAA? NBA 2K was free for a week. That doesn't make it a free-to-play game. That just it, makes it... It was for a week. That just makes it a... You're missing the point. It could it be free-to-play free. if they wanted it to be. And they could turn it into a full live-service game. And every year they could have a major roster update where they change out the characters. Or add in new characters. Right? Remove, I mean, I think they the ones I, that retire. I like, think they just dipped their toes in the water or free to play yeah, this so. one time. But the point is, they could because people have been saying you can just make a Madden and then update the players every year, or you make could. a two K and then up, or make a FIFA. But they don't make as much money that way. It, yeah, but that has nothing to do with the video game developers. That has everything to do with the industry. Because every year they do a different draft. And right. Every year they it have to contract to with, with different players. It has everything to do with the publishers who want more money. Well, that is directly they connected want... to like the NFL and the NBA and stuff like that. And that's it, true that, too. That's what it has to do with. And they I have their think... own calls because they make enough money off of college sports. Right. And I think the video game industry doesn't have much of a say in how that, that yearly rollout works in those videos. Maybe, so. but they do have a say in whether or not their game is a live service or not. I don't think that's why I would need professional advice. Mm. Like you because, need like a contract that says whether or not. Well, I would need. There's annual like because I think some there's stuff, some contractually. Based, I think right? there's like something movies, can, right. Like the like Fox has always had this wrong long running contract for all of its Marvel mm. properties. It has to produce a movie every right. five years, or they forfeit the rights. Right, and this is my belief. That because of contractual the, the publishing houses, like, like AAA publishing houses, EA Sports, right, has it's your opinion that they will probably have a clause in their contract saying that it has to be annual. 
Yeah, because I think that's directly tied to how much game. money is exchanged between different players mm-hmm. and the titles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Maybe. my thing is it wouldn't work any other way. Because Maybe. But that still doesn't excuse the fact that you're because then how would, on how would you how would you guarantee that Tom Brady got his check every year for the game if you made a free to play? I'd be like, fuck you, updated. Tom Brady. You know what I'm gonna put in? The well, game? he wouldn't get I'm his gonna check. I'm gonna put in a Brady Tom. Bitch. Well, he wouldn't get his check because I'm gonna put in thing, a Brady Tom. Let me tell you. Let check. me tell you what happened because this is what would happen. He wouldn't get his check, and all the other players wouldn't get their check because we've realized, and this is why I love this thing with Apex is that when you do it the right way. You offer somebody the same thing they get every time they get your money with every battle pass to make it worth something. And mm-hmm. what people will do is they will realize that if I buy it once and after that, I never have to buy it again. Right. Which is the right way to do it. Right. That's a good way and to do it. And then they would do that with those games and those players would never get their check. So they have but to the contractually tie their the publishing houses, likeness. Even if they have that clause in their mm-hmm. contract, they are not beholden to the specific players. What, because you want to rent their face? Fuck the player's face. No, uh, but that's... That, okay. Cut off Tom Brady's nose on his character. Cut off his nose. Give him a Voldemort face. And call him football declarer. No. That shit would sell like crazy. <laughs> Everybody who hates the Patriots is going to buy that. But I would guarantee you there are more people that hate the Patriots but people looking than for realism. people that want to buy Tom Brady. People are looking for realism. Do you know how many people out there... Give him the same stats as Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't have a right to his stats. Through the fantasy career mode and like Bro. seriously think that whatever is going on in there... You seriously game think is somebody, somebody trying to win a fantasy mode gives a crap whether Tom Brady looks like Tom Brady under his helmet? Yes. No. Yes. No. They don't. Yes, they, they do. No. Because the games are getting so real now that through the face mask, you can see the likeness of the player, and people care about that so much. I'd rather pay and that's the reason why more than Tom Brady, okay? That is the reason why I feel like it is contractually tied, because every time okay. they sell the game every year, a piece of that pie from that $60 game goes to every single player that... Play. And because the sports world is such fanatics of the game, they buy it, they eat mm. it up every year. But what I think was 2K dipped their toes in the free-to-play just to see what can we do here? How can we emerge into this market? Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to make money that way. I also, I also agree. Move on to better games. I also agree that the ESRB is right about loot boxes and their You don't think it's gambling? I don't think it's gambling. Flat out. You don't think it's like a roulette table? You don't think it's like a slot machine? No. Why? Is it for the same reason? Uh, I wish I could totally... I wish I could... No, I wish I could create an infographic first and then Mm -hmm. drop it in your lap and then (laughs) explain it because it makes a lot of sense to me and I don't think people grasp this concept like... This is the problem that the free-to-play industry has right now. Mm-hmm. Is where people get the game and we eat up whatever's there on the base and then we want more. Everybody, like That's the right. human nature. We get what we get and we want more. Mm-hmm. So people don't understand we that expect it to be as when you better. get the game, that game has been produced for some time. To provide you with the game and the experience. So this new free-to-play 
thing that we're coming into right now is we forget that at the least it took about six months to make the game mm-hmm. for a studio at the least. Okay. So, you so you've had man hours going to the you game. Yeah, front loaded six. And you six don't pay little wit, and you don't pay a penny for the game, the base game, period. And it has all this all this stuff locked for you. All these skins, all these different types of things, modes, everything like that, for you to express yourself. That took production time. That took people's time that they're paying mm-hmm. for the company has to get back. Alright. What you, game you will. what you pay in a loot box is you pay for a key that accesses part of that code to get you that, that information. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a gamble. I think what you're doing is you're buying a key to open a couple doors. To get a chance to, at one item. Or a to set get a of chance items. at a set of items. And that's okay because it took man hours to get into it. Every single type of item. And what I've noticed, and this is something else I want to say, is that I think when we go into games, we look for a lot of stuff that doesn't matter, and we forget reality. Because for your people that play Apex Apex Legends out there, there are three tiers of skins. There are base, which is right, they are rare, which are blue. Um, legendary, or wait, there's something. Oh, whatever, purple or yeah, or gold. Right? So, so this is this is my thing. When you look at most of the high tier level skins, they're very colorful, and they're very like flashy. Mm-hmm. And I've never understood because there's a bunch of like camo skins for the legends, which I use on two legends very specifically. That I notice that when I play with them, I die way less. Right. And I, because I that's how camo works. It's designed to fool the eye. Because it works functionally for my character. Yeah, it lessens it lessens the visual acuity of a person on the other end of the console. And I got that that's from a loot box without wanting it. Mm-hmm. And I got that without having to pay anything for it. Well, I probably had to... Eh, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if I got it out of a loot box that I got. I don't know if I got it out of a pack that came from a battle pass, but... You, so you so you say loot my boxes, thing is, despite the fact that loot boxes employ chance, you don't view it as gambling. <sighs> Chance for what? To to get a reward. Right? So, let's say... That's exactly what it is. It's a reward. It's we a are very privileged at, at in this... Some reward. We are very privileged in this time when our parents say, Hey, you do good in school. What this do you is want? About and you're like, It is! It's because not, you forget... It's not. You forget that you are men- getting a stop. game that you didn't even have to pay you. for. The in player the mentality place. is not... Core to the principle of how loot boxes are designed. The consumer mentality is core to how a game is designed. But an individual human's ability to regulate, to self-discipline, 
is not a factor in a loot box. Your, a loot box is a flat price in a game that, as you said, it unlocks certain temporarily locked content or permanently locked content in some cases. Like in Destiny, for example, some shit was only ever going to come out of a loot box, out of the Eververse store. And most of it was cosmetic. Now, that being said, I couldn't buy that directly if I wanted it. I had to keep throwing money at the loot boxes until I got it. I had to keep playing the slot machine until I got my roll. Now, you say taking a chance on a reward is not gambling. But the definition of gambling is taking risky action in the hope of a desired result. Now, when you buy a loot box, are you not hoping for a specific result? When I open an Apex pack in Apex Legends, I'm like, ooh, I really would like an Epic or a Legendary right now. Okay. That fits the definition of a game. Okay. Exactly. But now, okay. if the ESRB wants to wait, 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 wait. I'm tying it back to my point about the ESRB. Because this is this is my this is a problem with the, uh, take a leap in the dark. Take a chance. Take take a chance. What? I'm saying those are other ways to phrase it and think of it. My thing is, it does, my point is, it doesn't have to fit the specific Webster definition as long as it fits the nature of the statement, which is where the ESRB is towing their line. They're saying, legally, it does not fit the syntax. Yeah, but legally, they're going to make the exact argument for what you and everybody else is saying. is like, but they're the, the laws the of elements. legality also backs you guys' argument too because they're talking about letter of the law. The ESRB right. is. They talk they're talking about the letter of the law. But there's another All right. part of the law. Okay, letter the Okay, of if the we law. were talking down down to business, that's what I'm talking about. Down to business. It is not a gamble. We created let's say there are five hundred and sixty three items in the whole game of Apex that you okay. can buy. You downloaded a game with 563 items, Hoping and every time you open an Apex pack, you get like access 20. to the three things that you unlock every Apex pack. Every time you open one, you get access to to three of those 563. We have Ooh. no control over which one that you get. You open the pack, and you see what you get. Right. So that's a one in... or. Well, I'm not saying that's how many items there are in the game. Right, I'm, I'm not just saying, saying, but I'm saying, for example, mathematically, this is how that correlates. So, if you have 536 items in the game, and your every loot box gives you three, you have 187.6 repeating seven chances of getting a specific item. Divide that by another. 0.03%, because 0.03 is 3%. That's 1 in 6,255 5 repeating to get the item you want. So, if, if 
the item you're looking for is only in the loot box, right? Now, if you can earn the item in the game through a quest or something like that, or a challenge, you complete a challenge and you get that, that's fine. You can you can have that. I don't care. If I can earn it in the game, put it in the micro store. I don't care. Put it in the loot box roll. That's fine, too. I'm not going to put my money into that. I'm going to grind that shit. Okay? Because that's, that's what gives it the value. That's what makes me want to use it and show it off and be like, I put in the work for this. I'm not going to like the fact that it's in the loot box. Right? Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with it because I can still get out of it what I want. Now, if there's a mathematician out there or a math major out there listening, you can correct my math on this because this is this falls under percentages, which is a form of discrete math, right? So when you're multi, when you're figuring out the chances you have at something, you take it, you divide it, you take the total number of items, divide the num- your number, the number of items you want by the total. And then that gives you the raw percentage of drop rate for that number. Which means I just did this math wrong, I'm sorry. Let's try this again. So we're saying there's three. Three packs. Three, three, three slots. Okay, in so one there's pack. three per pack. Let's say out of 536 items, you want 20 items, right? Look, I'm going to so do... So you take it. those 20 items, divide it by 536, which is the total number of items which is 0.037, then you multiply that by the number of items you get per box because that increases the number of chances. So that's times 0.03. That's a 0.001119 chance of getting any of those 20 items in a loot box that gives you three items out of 536. And that's assuming there's not a modifier for rarity. Which, in most cases of loot boxes, there is a modifier for rarity. Epic skins tend to have a lower drop rate than rare skins. Rare skins tend to have a lower drop rate than common skins because there's a rarity modifier. This is just flat. Mm-hmm. Flat numbers, I'm already under. I'm already at one one hundred thousandth of a percent. And that's with 20 items that I want. Hold on. That's crazy. And that's without a rarity modifier. That's that's not that's not accounting for duplicate rolls. That's just one flat raw roll in a loot box. Per loot box. Okay. I'm not I'm not dividing or multiplying anymore to account for a rarity drop rate efficiency or for a re, uh, for a duplicate drop rate because most loot boxes you'll get duplicates that you can destroy yeah, but in the case for, of Apex, currency. In the case of Apex, you never get duplicates. Right, but like in games like uh, League of Legends that have loot boxes in and out, which is a free-to-play live service game, and all the everything in the game is cosmetic. Right? Nothing you buy in this game really has measures out in a factor in the game. Sidebar, there are some quirky skins in the game, like Skins that have sunglasses take literally one damage less than any other skin in the game when you're getting hit with a, a sun-based ability. 
beyond which that, which is worse than what Apex is doing. So, I, which, but again, beyond that, if you know, if your one health is gonna make the difference, you're gonna die anyway. Okay. Yeah, but my skin doesn't make any difference on my legend and Apex Legends at all. So, but it does, as you say, because it's a camo skin, and camo's harder for the eye to detect. Right, which is where our argument reaches another level because what I'm saying is that you get a higher chance with the loot boxes of getting camos that you didn't even know right, are functionally the, better. The loot box is not about stats. It's about the reward you specifically want. It's about your desire to look and feel the way you want to feel in the game you've already put money into. In a, in a AAA game. Now, in things like Apex or League... The microtransactions, I'm not... I just think... I don't have a problem with those. Let me simplify. I think the game allows you that as you progress to be more diverse. Okay. I don't think that's... I don't think that... But a loot box is still gambling. You get skins that you want. But a loot box is still gambling. It uses a percentage table... That it then rolls. It literally is a mathematical tumbler. It rolls the table. Mm-hmm. And then based on the equation, right, for tracking rarity, the coefficients for tracking drop rate percentages, you so have the, a chance so, so, at items. That's so the this definition is... of gambling, both literally, legally, and in spirit. But the... I think... The, okay, my point is the ESRB is wrong, and they haven't updated their laws for their ratings for gambling in 25 years. That's stupid. I feel like... Fix your shit. I feel like for your end game, I feel like... Okay, I feel like... Fix your shit, ESRB. I feel like the beginning has to meet the end. Which the ESRB also doesn't do. The ESRB assigns a rating no, 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 before no. the game comes built. What I'm saying is that what else has been considered gambling in our lifetime? Or democracy? <laughs> okay, that's a good example to use. You pay money to a candidate, he either wins or you don't. He wins. Right, and there you, 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 you get argue, you get political. You, you can argue about person. whether or not putting money into a campaign really affects the spirit of a campaign. But research has shown that there is a direct link between the amount of money spent on a campaign and how high a chance that person, that candidate, right. has of winning. That's that's simple fact. What I think though is that in order for it to be considered gambling. You have to put money in, have a chance of getting what you want out, and what coming out has to have monetary value or some type of value. I feel like so, since nothing so has any value is your satisfaction. That's the the value is the satisfaction that you get from wearing no, that really cool skin that you like. There's no monetary value in that. Legally you said speaking. you didn't say it had to be monetary, yeah, although you can. The, the informed monetary value is the amount of money you put into the game in order to get that. I feel like out the, the way that laws are concerned, they don't care about how you feel. They're not, but I'm saying. Okay, so even though you feel better with having this legendary skin right. on your character, I what don't are you think. What you gain from it? You don't gain anything. 
So it's not considered gambling. You, you don't, don't have anything. to gain something in order for it to be have a monetary value. It's simply taking from you, the user, but the monetary value is what gets transferred to the company. That's their monetary value on it. That's the legal monetary value on it. Is how much money did you have to pay for that skin? Yeah, but you're always you're always. If the skin is locked in a loot box and you spend one hundred and fifty dollars and you get that skin, and that's the skin you wanted as the player. The skin is not just worth $150. The skin is worth that $150 base price plus every other skin you got in the loot box added together. Because that's all excess money that you got. Now, another way to look at it is that you could take that flat $150, say that's the total cost of the skin, divide that $150 by every item you got. So you got three items per loot box, you put in $150, you get 15 loot boxes. Take that 150, divide it by 15, that's what each item in that box is worth, right? But then you're not accounting for the rarity modifier. So let's say 10 items out of those 15 are common or rare. So they have a coefficient of 1 or 2. But epics have a coefficient of 3, right? Mm -hmm. You have 10. Yeah, you have 10 items that are 1 or 2. Right, so let's say it's five and five. You have five items that are worth one, five items that are worth two. You have 15 total in that, right? So that's 15 total modifiers. That's the first hundred, right? And then the last 50 bucks are divided by the level three modifiers for epics. You get five epics out of it, right? So now those epics are actually only worth. 50 divided by 3, which is like 23, or no, it's like 18.5, 50 divided by 3, 16.67 bucks. Okay. All right. That's the monetary value the company gets. And that monetary value is then split. There's a percentage that goes to the publisher. To the developer, that developer then hacks it up, divides it into payroll, bonuses, whatever. And then there's the royalties, the rights to use faces on in, in sports games or whatever. Or, you know, maybe the skin has a musical element to we're it. We're not even talking about FIFA because that. No, we're yeah, just talking I, about I, general I, loot box but culture I, and nature. Okay. Right? We're talking about raw percentage rates and calculating but I have, the value. I have no quarrel with you on the people that get it wrong, I have a quarrel with you on the people that get it right, which is Apex Legends, because they're getting it right. I, I've and said no that one, they're getting it right. No, it, the way they yeah, do it is but if, fine. If you attack loot boxes in general, you're going to attack that game, which is the only game that's done it right, and everybody still argues that Apex Legends is doing it it's wrong when they have no Dude, understanding of how... It's a problem like, that Apex has instituted microtransactions, but... And the only reason I say that is because then it justifies the misestablishment if we're, if we're of loot boxes. If we're going to, like... What they could have done is they could have taken all the stuff in Apex no. Legends with no. with the battle pass. I feel like, I they, feel like they did exactly what they need to do to be... Cause everybody, what they could have done is done it just like Call of Duty used to do it. Mm -hmm. they, and they could have had their happy medium. They could have put in challenges in the game for each skin and each reward. And then they could have put everything in the store. And you can buy it for a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. 
No, bro, I think they do, right? I don't think that's what you Now, mean. that would divide the player base because hardcore players are not going to want to grind if they can purchase. Right? Yeah. They're not going to get as much of a reward. They're not going to feel as good wearing that if they see it on somebody else and go, somebody else probably just bought that. Right? So I get that. That's one way they could have done it. The way they've done it seems to work for Apex. It's that way that they Apex has done it isn't going to work for every game. Yeah, well, which is the problem. That's that's it's a it's too unique to establish a methodology for the rest of the industry in the way it's been done in loot boxes have been executed in sports games in the way it's been executed in Battlefield in the way it's been executed in Star Wars has been established by yeah, the because, community because to be you know abusive. where those games lose their footing and. Having loot boxes is having you pay for the game first off. Right. And again, like I said before, if it's free to play, obviously I welcome microtransactions, especially if it's a live service game. Now, if it's a free to play game like a mobile and they have microtransactions, like little boosts or XP boosts to help you level up or whatever, fine. It's a mobile game. It's, you know, it's not, I don't want to see it on a 70 inch flat screen. I'm not going to go yeah. to the world championships of a fucking mobile game. Okay. Fine. I mean, that's where they got their start. Right. And that's, that's where they flourish and do really well, and companies can have a lifeline there. And the way Apex has done it works really well for Apex, and the way Apex has done it would probably work really well for other live service massive multiplayer games like Destiny. Mm-hmm. Right? If League of Legends ever came to a console, the way they do it is just fine. It works for League. But you could do it that way, and you can get the camo skin, right? And if you're a hardcore player like you, and you're all about maximizing efficiency and stats, and you care about your KDA ratio, and you want to be able to brag about that on, you know, when you highlight your reel or whatever, you want to be able to say, this isn't just a fluke. You can look at my stats. Mm-hmm. This is a regular thing. I highlighted this one because it had an extra flair. Pardon me. Another. Pardon me, guys. On that note, we're going to take a break from the podcast. We'll be right back. Right, and we're back. Sorry about so, that. That was the uh, flag calling. We just had our one-year anniversary as of right now. Oh, yeah. As of three months. Thanks again, brother, for being there. <laughs> no problem. Um, so where we were at, we were talking about that. And, yeah, man, um, I just think, and it seems as though, You've gotten a little lighter on the issue with Apex Legends, but I know that there are people out there that are still, that are still partially so criticized. Yeah. And, and what those people don't understand is that you've probably accepted some terms of service, which <laughs> rightly right. so say that since you get this game free to play, there's certain content that you're not going to have access to. Right, yeah. If you read Terms and Services, there's always a clause. It's usually down in Section 3 or Section 4. So it's buried enough that they know most people aren't going to go looking for it. But if you've ever read any AAA title or any console title or PC title, rights in Terms of Services, they reserve the right to adjudicate and process and manage their content 
that you've purchased from them any way they see fit. That's the spirit of what it says. It's a huge, long-ass paragraph with a bunch of here and unto, but not entirely limited to which basically legal terminology, which basically says, yes, everything you bought will be locked this game. In, in to you bought this game, but there are certain elements of the game we've elected to close off until such a time as we deem fit to release it, which, you know, it's not just arbitrary. They do it that way a lot of times for the elements of the game, give people a chance to explore the game, you know, especially on MMOs and, and open world games like old school Assassin's Creed's or Destiny's, where there's a lot of stuff in the nooks and crannies of the game to yeah. piece together. And so they'll, they'll like lock the raid off or they'll lock off certain exotics. And the reason they do this for the consumer primarily is that they want people to be able to experience the game fully. Meaning they don't want you to be playing through the game and then take a break, go watch your favorite streamer who's already burned through the whole story because he's been playing since it launched at midnight and is now on the raid. They don't want you to catch spoilers that way, and they don't want to ruin that experience for you. That's that's the developer's philosophy. The flip side of that coin is that the publisher's philosophy is like, well, if we take this content that you've been working on for six months and we take out 30% of it, we can put it in an expansion, and then it's just a digital update release that they pay for again, despite the fact that the data is already on the CD that they bought. Which is not a problem. That is a problem because I'm already bought that content. If you don't pay I have for the physically game, physically purchase that content. Well, for games like Destiny, yeah, but I'm talking about for games like Apex. Right, so no, for games like Apex, it's fine. But for right. AAA titles, if I buy a motherfucking CD or digital code, mm-hmm. and the content is included in that code, but it's locked off by a key code that you then want me to pay thirty five dollars for later, I have a major problem with that. I've physically bought that game. It's part of the original terms and services. And you're asking me to buy another one and amend those terms and services so that I can't sue you for charging me twice for 30% of my game. I think we've entered such a gray area with video games because I really don't see It's the not a gray area. There's just no the, legal I precedent. Because I don't see the problem with that either. I see a problem, but I don't really see a problem. Cam, you either see a problem or you don't. Does your toe hurt when you stub it? Yes. Again, there's a dichotomy. Yes. I see a problem, but I don't really see a problem. Is this, Does a stub toe hurt? Does because it how many crappy games with small content do We're we see? We're not talking about... No, no, no. Because we, we are. That's the whole point of having the conversation that we are, because we are. We're talking how about many, the nature... How many <laughs> crappy games with half the content of Call of Duty that we've seen for $5 more than Call of Duty retail for so it's like. What are you talking about? Call of Duty retails for like 100, 120 bucks a copy. No, no, it yes. doesn't. 60. That's like the base right now. The base is 60. But right. It's retail for higher than that. For packs that come with. I'm talking about the game, the disc, just the disc. I'm not talking about anything no else. Pre-order and yeah, no, no pre order. Yeah, no. No pre order stuff. Okay. I'm talking about we've seen games that have half the it's content been as high as that 70. Call of Duty has. It's been as high as 70. Oh, 70 now. Okay. That have half the content that some games have, and they sell right. for the same price or right. even a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
And again, Call of Duty suffered from the same so problem. So then they you have those same people. You have those same people who who have bought these crappy games. They play it for <laughs> a couple months. They like it, but then they leave it. But then they buy Call of Duty or they buy Destiny, and because that game offers way more content than all the other games, but keeps a portion of it portioned off for mm-hmm. a downloadable content. Now you have an issue with it because you feel like you bought that already. I mean, you so, literally did. If you bought a disc and it has the data laser printed onto it, like CDs do. Okay, but I shouldn't have to buy that content. The base game. content you that you, it. the base content that you were able to access, was probably better than ninety five. Was much more than ninety five percent of the games that retail for the exact same price. So why are you complaining? I'm like, complaining because this is the practice of live service games currently. You buy a base game. That they charge you sixty dollars for, but I think there are a lot of laserized gamers out there like that that notice that the game that you've presented at base at the first at launch is probably enough or more than enough. No. Well, I think that's a part of gamers that is, increasingly. That is a unique, is a unique think, feature. If right. you look at what I think, CEOs I think have, that have said in my my opinion is that I think that is a is what gamers are increasingly becoming habitually just connected with more and more content out of a game every year. We don't realize how much games did not have 10 years ago and how much they have now. I do, and I'm here to tell you, Fallout 76 was Mm -hmm. bullshit, and they charged people $60. But like I said, I... Destiny the had games more, that do it wrong. Have Destiny no had more content at launch in mm-hmm. vanilla and in Destiny Two, despite the fact that it was chopped up for expansions to mitigate the cost. It still had more continuity and functionality than Fallout Seventy Six did. Yeah, but I, okay. I think every title reason, has to be scaled, though, the and that's re- the issue. The reason Fallout Seventy Six came out mm-hmm. the way it did as was described by the CEO, is that that is the nature of the industry now. Okay. The CEOs believe now that it's okay to charge for a full-scale AAA game like you would back in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 days, Mm -hmm. right? back in Halo 3, Halo 4 days, and give you half the content now, and then charge you again for the content that was already designed and created as part of the main game that they then took out for an expansion. I think you have to... I think we have to start scaling these games. But I'm, I'm just you, telling you right now how the CEO, what the CEOs that have been public about this have said. They, they've said the nature of the, of the games now is that we charge you for a AAA game that is not AAA functioning... And for, for, and for somebody content until the second or third expansion. And what I'm That's trying to say right. is for somebody whose square peg was Fallout 76 and Fallout 76 was the square hole, that was more than enough for them, probably. Just like Destiny 2 was probably Bro. the the circle. Fallout hole 76 for, was so bad. The special edition For you. Ha- no. For the, you. For, I didn't play it. There were prob there's probably the One, Fallout 76 was so bad they had to recall the limited edition cola helmets because the cola helmets were built in a factory that had asbestos in it. 
because the people that developed and published Fallout 76 couldn't be bothered to vet their content. At launch of Fallout 76, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure there was one or more people who loved the game at launch. Oh no, I'm not saying they didn't okay. have, a, have a fan base. That's all that matters. That's not what matters. That's all that matters for any reason. What matters is the majority of the consumer market. In business. Cause, so, okay, so then we keep switching here between about a business mindset and a personal mindset. Because which it's I feel the like correlation is, between the two that makes a AAA game work. It's what makes publishing houses, it's what allows publishing houses to keep their doors open. And it's what allows developers to make a name for themselves and bring competition right, in a free market. You're right, but you can't. You can't tailor your argument to fit one or the other every time I come up with an argument. No, I'm saying the, the balance is stated by the consumer. Okay, so and let me let me lay said, it out here for you. Consumers have said they're okay with the way it works, with my, the way microtransactions are executed in Apex. Consumers have said that. They love the way Apex is done. And I think it works Okay, well. so let me take it farther and backtrack on my previous statements I've made for weeks. Okay. Which is where, if you want to get real technical, if a game like Call of Duty wants to do loot boxes and you already pay for the base game, I feel like that's okay. Yeah, as long as they're not putting content in the loot boxes that I've already bought. I, don't, I feel like, I don't know. I'm saying if I'm buying, regardless of whether it's a physical disc or a digital copy, if it's developed... So are you, are you analyzing this from a business standpoint or from a personal standpoint? I mean both. As a consumer, you're part of the business. Okay, as a consum- as a business standpoint, loot boxes will forever work to make money. And that's yes, the only thing. But that, that doesn't make them right. You can make way more money so off So now of, you're switching over to the personal mindset. No, I'm saying is, you can make way more money off a of slave labor in China. That doesn't make it right. Yeah, but that whether or not it makes it, it make right. It right. Do you know how much of a business degree is talking about ethics? Probably ten percent. Very little. I've okay. taken business classes. Very little. So you there's, can't there's make an ethical two, argument in the ethics. arena of business, really. Yes, you can. Your problem is that you have mm-hmm. undergone the training in this culture, and the training has taught you that yeah. it's okay not to be emotional, and that's not true. No, it's not. It's not. It's not that. What I'm it saying is, is throwing out the satisfaction rating of a consumer and saying it has no place in the business model, despite the fact that the consumer is the person who puts money into the market. No, what I'm saying is for every 20 game studios that try out one mechanic, only one has probably got it right, which is what I'm saying. Apex is probably the one out of everybody who's done the loot box thing. That has got it right. Right. And, and as I was everybody saying, needs the, to do the mechanic to make money. Everybody needs to do it to make money. That means that means that only one person research has shown that look despite despite the claims of walk back with me a little bit. You're not even letting me finish my statements, which is okay. what I'm saying okay. here. Is that only one person's gonna get it right. But everybody has to do it to make money. I'm not talking about emotionally if everyone has to do whether it's ethically right. What I'm saying is for companies to stay alive, everybody has to do it. Because that is a new mode. for mediocrity and leadership. You can say that. But what I'm saying is that 
everybody has to do as a company to stay alive. Ethics aside, like the market is moving to free to play loot box mechanics. That's what I'm every sorry, game is going to be in a couple keep of years. Your company alive within the moral and ethical boundaries, then your company should just go away from the free market. I'm sorry. Which is which is a part of probably what will be at the latter part of this argument, which is that that's what happens. And maybe. my thing is, is that but maybe company, not. we've seen what happens in this country when regulation isn't put into place, when businesses are allowed to create their own cultures to maximize profits, they will keep maximizing and maximizing to the detriment of the people, the consumers, and eventually the detriment of the country. We saw it in the banking crisis, in the housing crisis, in the car industry crisis, and we saw what it looked like in the Great Depression. Okay, this is my issue with this argument with politics, is that you see the end goal. I see the end goal too, but I also see the beginning goal, which you also have a problem with, and nobody knows what's in the middle. Everybody's arguing about what happens in the middle. And no one has their finger on the pulse of what happens in the middle. The beginning is we have to do what works and we have to try it out. We have to put our toes in the water and see if it's trial and error, basically, right? That's how free market works. No one wants to no one wants to figure out what's in the middle, which is what happened right now in video games is the middle part of this, which is where you have some people trying it out, some people it's not working. Okay. Some people it is working. Some people are doing right. Most people are not doing it right. And I understand what you're saying. But what I'm what I'm saying is that that's not that's not true because you when you have this industry or any industry things are ever evolving, which is to the point now where like you only have one person probably or a couple of like companies in the industry that have gotten this mechanic right and done it right. And probably by the time 2020 rolls around, there will probably be a new and evolving mechanic in video games that will change. And the people who don't have it are going to write, are going to die out. And you're going to see that. Okay. But the point is right now in 2019 for what it was for all these companies to stay afloat, everybody has to ride onto the, to the model, to the current meta of what it is. And a lot of people are going to get it wrong. Like, how many streamers do you know of in your life right now that are hot? Tons. Compared to how many people actually stream. Like, the numbers. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a so, my thing is, is that everybody has to hop on the wagon and... Mm-hmm. A million people are going to fall off and only a couple are going to stay on. Okay, but you're basing that statement off the concept that Apex Legends, published by EA Sports, is the first game to really strike the harmony chord in how to execute microtransactions. And I'm telling you, that ain't true. Okay, who else has done it? I mean, I'm not saying Apex is the only people that's done it, but who else has done it? Riot Games and League of Legends have been doing it right, right since 2009. So. Rightly so. I, I agree with that. And not only have been, they've been doing it right, they're taking the time as a developer for a live service game to go back and visually update the old content. 
for the old school players who still prefer the legacy skins from way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can afford to do that. They have world championships, right? Their players, their streamers make hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, okay? And I'm not talking millions of dollars per month. I'm talking annually, right? I mean, last year's World Cup for world, the prize pool is only like $9 million divided by the entire organization. Right, you're talking coaches, staff, players, mental health mental health coaches, rig co- rig um, engineers, that kind of thing. You're talking about all of that. So it's not about money. You can you can make it not about money and still be wildly successful. Okay, league has more viewers and participators. If you add in people who play, people who watch, That's people who consume, money, though. that that That's takes. All money. But I'm saying they've had that recipe down since 2009 when the game came out. They knew how to execute microtransactions. They took that concept, franchised it out, and by 2011 had their first world championship. And they've been growing exponentially since then. They eclipse the NFL, the NBA. They have more viewers and participators than the World Cup. Right. And that's why they forever stay ahead of everybody. And that's part of my argument. Right. And is that when you get it right, you forever stay ahead of them. So why can't other publishing companies copy that recipe? Why do they have to take it to an extreme where they're putting in percentage tables for less than 2%? That's what? An MMO, right? RPG? Uh, League is more so of an MMO RTS. Okay, so so then you have... There's a bit of RPG, but the characters are set. So now you have the first Battle Royale to get. Okay, that's fair. It's a different game type. Right. And and Apex is right, but I'm saying, why can't other AAA titles... Why didn't they just copy the recipe for success that's been proven year in and year out for over a decade? They did. Call of Duty just came out with a mobile Battle Royale that's free. I'm not talking about Apex. I'm talking about... I mean, but Call of Duty did. Okay, My thing is, this is, is not a battle royale, and and that's like what, weeks or months old. That Call of Duty battle royale for that you can get on your phone. My thing is that. My thing is that when the when the when the meta comes out, everybody has to catch up, and everybody. Right, but has I'm to saying do. the meta was set in 2011. If you want to be really strict about the franchising and how you how you expand microtransaction culture and that was in a, a healthy. That way. was a part of my argument is that. The people who get it right thrive for a very long time after that among everybody else. My thing is that you have, and we can put that in the box, and we can put that in the box too, Fortnite, PUBG, and Apex, which have got loot boxing and right in the BR world. Mm -hmm. There's many other BRs and BR-like games, like you have Warface, Mm -hmm. BR, but... You have Warframe that's done a really good job. They've pretty much copied League of Legends. Some of their stuff, mm-hmm. it, some of the in-game, some of it's pay-to-win, but yeah. everybody can get it. Right. But I'm talking about, like, the Battle Royales. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the only ones. Cause right, but I'm saying you could take the, the business principles and the ethics mm-hmm. that League of Legends or Riot Games has had in the way they manage their microtransactions. 
Activision could have copied that rulebook. EA could have copied that rulebook. Although they, they found something that works for Battle Royales, but the rest of their MMOs, Call of Duty, Battlefield, Star Wars Battlefront, they could have copied a, a recipe for success that's a decade old. They specifically I mean, chose which is not what, to. Which is what they're going to do because Call really of Duty is going to... You think their market analysts didn't come to the CEOs and present them with a certified, verified plan that's almost a decade old for success? I mean, now somebody correct me on podcast at gmail.com if I'm wrong, but I think Call of Duty is going to be a certain price for the base game. Right. And the seasons are going to be free. You don't have to pay for them. And that would be so, good. That would be good. My I, thing is I that, know. Do away with the battle pass. My thing is that once or you the, find uh, out the, the model, pass, sorry. once you find out the model that works, you do it. And the model is either you make people pay for the base game or you make the content The live free. service has already been proven is my point. There's no reason for them not to have copied Riot Games' recipe for success. There's no logical business reason for them not to copy a recipe for success. You can try and make a straw man argument about trying to be different and unique and do it themselves and, mm-hmm. and build from the ground up, but that's not the case for the publishers. All right. That's, that's, so you can make that for the developer, let me approach but a publisher's just like, I'm just giving you the capital to expand. Let me approach this argument from a different position because okay. I think this is what will get to the core of the argument. Okay. Imagine you have... You're trying to create incentive for players to play the game, play better, and to invest money in the game. And you come out with 500 skins for your 20 characters. And 300 of the skins are regular skins. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I'm doing math right here. Okay. 200 skins are regular skins. Um, another... Uh, 200 of the skins are third tier. Um, well, no, let's go back. 150 skins are regular tier. 150 skins are third tier. And then you have 100 skins that are second tier and another 100, which are first tier. And you allow people to do microtransactions, but you allow them to do microtransactions to buy whatever piece of the content that you want. Mm -hmm. You would allow fairness for everybody to use their microtransactions to purchase exactly what they want. So you wouldn't have loot boxes, Mm -hmm. but you would have microtransactions. But everybody wants the same skin, so everybody just buys the first and second tier items because... The lower tier items don't matter. So then you spent your time as a free-to-play game Mm -hmm. creating 300 skins, and that's just skins on the players Mm -hmm. that nobody's going to use. Those 300 skins translate into man hours, so Mm -hmm. money that you've invested in the game. Now, what people don't know is that in a business model, those 300 skins are connected to the marketing budget, the publishing budget, payroll budget everything goes into that advertising everything so you've spent that money on those 300 skins that nobody's going to buy with the microtransactions so how else are you going to do it so this is my thing for everybody out there including yourself that are whining that you have to do loot boxes how are you going to justify that the company has has to create those 300 so 
You do it the way everybody. No, 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 no. So then everybody says, everybody says that we want access to exactly what we get. We don't want to have loot boxes. You scale the so cost. you so you tell me what would what would guarantee that as me creating these three hundred things, you guarantee that I will get my money out for those things. We we scale the cost to match the veracity of the item, right? How much are people gonna like it? Is it gonna be you do a test group, right? Of the people that would typically play your game, right? So you have your alpha and your beta, and then you ask a group of those people who participate in that, hey, let's do a test group on them. How much would you pay for this skin? How much would you pay for this skin? How much would you pay for that skin? Like minimum, maximum. You take that, you average it out, and then for the really, really well-developed epic skins, right? You scale the cost up. You make them cost more. And for the average skins, you find a mini girl. So right, you're right. done this. So your your solution Riot, Riot is you make people pay twenty five dollars for a ten dollars skin just to make up for the cost of the skins that nobody wants to buy. No, because the skin isn't ten dollars. It's a skin that if you averaged everything out, it would cost on average ten bucks per person because you're adding in all the people who have and haven't bought it, right? But the skin itself in the customer satisfaction area is worth 25 bucks. That's just as bad as loot boxes. No, it's not because you're giving people the choice. You're giving them the choice. Do you want to pay 25 bucks for this skin? Will you use it that much? That's your discretion. So then we don't care. So then you don't care how. So then the problem is that. Transparency, Cam. Oh, man. You got me so triggered. We're talking about transparency. I don't care if you're going to charge me $25 for a skin. If I like that skin enough, I'll buy it. But if every skin averages out to be $10, you can't make me... uh, Again, we're not talking about... That is not a good solution. I don't don't see what that means. You're scaling the cost that people are willing to pay. You're taking that cost that they're willing to pay and applying it to to the skins. But my thing is, is that... That's the same thing that we do with loot boxes. It's just when you get the loot box, you don't know what you're going to get, and you may not get something that you want. But sometimes you may not even know that what you don't want may work for you anyway. coefficients are so low, it is unreasonable for somebody to be asked to pay a random chance. It's unreasonable for you to ask a consumer to pay for a random chance at what they want. If they want the goddamn skin, they'll buy the goddamn skin. You know what? I'm the perfect test subject. Okay? I've been playing League since season two. You know how many skins I've liked and bought for champions that I have used in the past that I don't use now? We can look. We'll look right now. Let's look right now. Because I'm here to tell you, it works. What I'm talking about works. You scale the cost for the better looking detailed skins. Mm-hmm. And people will buy them. And for the people who can't afford them, there is a second 
third, fourth tier option of skins that still look visually pleasing, but clearly are not as detailed and quote-unquote cool, okay? Sure. It's loading, I'm sorry. They just released a new client. It's a little slow. <laughs> the client update's really nice, but it doesn't work with a lot of the backgrounds on my computer. I gotta go in and set my computer to a, a contrast, like a dark setting. I just, I don't... I don't see how that's how that's so much better than that idea. But again, we're not talking about a gaming company that solely survives off microtransactions. No, but what I'm saying is, you know, is that that still get, doesn't. They get endorsements, they get advertisements, they get all kinds of revenue, right? Which any business does. Yeah. All right. So let's go to my collection. Okay. Total skins. 494 skins. I have all five ultimate skins. I have five mythic skins, which are gemstone skins. Now, the gemstone skins are loot box skins. You get gems, and the only way to get the gems is through the loot box mechanics, and there are various ways to get them. Certain loot boxes have a slightly higher percentage rate. No loot box in this game has more than a 5% chance of giving you a gem. It's like 4.87 or something like that. Mm-hmm. For for the boxes that have the bonus level, for the standard loot box, you have like a 2% rate to get this mm-hmm. gemstone, to get one stone. So I've got five of those. I have the original one, the Hextech Annie skin. When it came out, it was the first one. It took $300 in loot boxes to get that skin. Now, I did not pay $300 for it. I got super lucky. I put in about 170 bucks because it was the holiday season, so I knew I was going to be getting a lot of skins and gifting. Not for myself, but I gift people, my friends, a lot of skins at the holidays. Yeah. Right? So that's when my, a lot of my money's come into this game. Right? But... So anyways, I got lucky. I got the skin in a loot box. <laughs> yeah. I had like eight gems, so I only needed two more. And I was like, okay, I'll take a gamble. And I just happened to get it in the game. Oh, you'll take a gamble. Yes. Oh, I'm, not saying, okay. oh. I'm not saying grown-ass people can't gamble, Cameron. Oh. I'm not saying we need to outlaw gambling. I'm just saying we should Things be Things just got real. I'm just saying the North Carolina education system should not be based off of the education lottery. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh. Anyways, so I have five gemstone skins. I have 32 legendary skins, 115 epic skins, 158 legacies, and 25 chromes. Now, if we take notes real quick, (laughs) we can literally calculate that out. I think I've done this before. I've acquired some skins since then. But my investment into League of Legends is well well over $7,000 across 10 years, basically. I've been playing since Seasons 2, but I've had an account since Season 1. And so, if you divide my total across 7 years... That's $365 a year? <laughs> is it really? <laughs> That, that would be funny thing. if that math worked, though, wouldn't <laughs> it? So let's, you know, 
We're not we're not gonna average it. We're just gonna actually do it. Right. So I don't know if this is gonna work, by the way. Oh no, this is gonna work. Because I'm I'm the perfect test subject. I'm over here preaching about how Riot has gotten it right. Let's take it to the math. Okay? I have four hundred ninety-four scans. I have Five bolt skins. Five gemstone skins. Five. What is this? Legendary. No, I'm sorry. I have 32 legendary. 115 epic. Hundred and fifty-eight legacy. Are you making my Excel document on this? No. Okay. Twenty-five pro. All right. Now we can literally go into the store and track how much each of those costs. Dude, we should make Excel documents. <laughs> this on is, I'm just doing like the prices of different mechanics in the games. We should do this study, dude. Ooh, I need Darius again. That's nice. And a Hecarim? Look, you Darius. See, I'm getting a Hecarim trick. Look, see? Look, because look, it's look, worth look, it. Look, looks look, good. Look, and look, look. Champions I play, which no. is my point. It's about my customer satisfaction. But it's my choice. I'm purchasing the Riot points for a direct currency cost from real world money. And then I'm applying it to what I want. Okay, and that some works for want, a AAA game. Some people want the loot boxes. Right. How many people out there would actually prefer to take a gamble on what they want, on getting what they want, versus actually buying it straight up? Guaranteed, 100%, you get what you want. I think there's way less people out there that care about that than you think. Okay, so let's go. I think more of the criticism comes mm -hmm. for lim limited time events and skins. And I agree with that. I agree with the issues with <coughs> that gamers have with the developers, particularly Apex, mm -hmm. with how they do the limited time events and their skins and unlockable items around that time. So, legendary skins. Are eighteen twenty. Eighteen dollars twenty cents? No, eighteen hundred twenty. Riot points. Okay, eighteen twenty. So we, we can calculate the riot point cost. Riot point cost. They come in varying quantities. Certain quantities give you bonus riot points. How much is two thousand riot points? Twenty dollars. They don't have that quantity. For twenty bucks you get 2,600 riot points, 200 okay. of that is bonus riot points, so 2,400 is 20. But flat cost, no bonus points, 650 riot points is worth 5 bucks. So, 650 divided by... So you need 3 of those. 5 is each... 
each dollar is 130 for iPhone So, on that again. Uh, 100 pennies. So each penny is worth 1.3 riot points. Mm -hmm. So if I have 1820. So 1820 divided by 1.3. That's 1400 riot, riot points. Yeah, but which isn't, Sorry, no, which isn't consistent because I think 18. as the packs go up for microtransactions. The points per... The points per goes down? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I guess if you're calculating the bonus, yeah. So that's annoying. So here I mean, that's just three. the way any... We're not even talking about video games and Sorry, market transactions. We're talking about businesses in general. As you go up in quantity, the price per unit mm -hmm. goes down because you're buying more. Yeah, so if you took that, the base ratio, you'd only get 2366 out mm -hmm. of the... Uh, it would cost 2366 in Riot points for the legendary skin, which is 500 and X points over. Yeah. So, so the cost varies the way Riot does it. So we take, say, <clears throat> 1350, which is the next tier up. You you um email aspacepodcast at gmail.com if you know some sources that have done this math and mm. laid it out. We can Google that real quick. How much does Just each give us that information if you can. Legal. And I think we should actually work on, if we're actually this passionate about it, probably oh, we work, work on, on that. Okay, here we go. I got the breakdown from Polygon. Bring it down. Yeah, I'm okay. quick with that. <laughs> All right, we'll get the breakdown. So this is from Polygon. Yeah. Which is a very reliable gaming website. Fuck Utaku. They've admitted that they don't do a good job on covering games. So if you're out there running around telling your friends Kutaku shit, stop. When it comes to games, they've admitted they're not the best coverage on games. Don't use them. See, I don't know a good reliable game source, so you're saying Polygon. Polygon. They, they have quite a few writers that have inside sources in publishing houses and in game developers. And a lot of their uh, writers have connections to uh, deep web data miners. Who's Look, dude, I don't like snowflakes and skinheads, okay? I can't do too far left and too far right. So as long as they're pretty much in the middle, I'm, I'm going to be pretty good about it. Okay, so, so here we go. Quick math. Move this out the way. The base skin, which isn't always the base price, but in general... When you're buying at flat cost, right? Mm -hmm. 520 bucks in RP, or 520 points in RP is $4 US. 750 is 575. 975 RP is 750. 1350 RP is 10. 1820 is 14. So going from cheapest to most expensive, your legacy skins are typically going to cost 520. So that's four bucks each. Your epic skins are going to cost 750 RP, which is 575. 
Your legendary skins are going to run 975 RP, so 750 per skin. Uh, gemstone skins, again, it, it varies. The original skin was 300. Every, every subsequent skin after that, the cost has gone down because of they've been released with events. And mm -hmm. so the event loot boxes have bonus modifiers for gemstones on them. And bonus modifiers to just give you the skin shard to then upgrade at no cost to you for the uh, gemstone skin. Mm. Um, the... Uh, that doesn't make any sense. What's the fun? Hang on a minute. There are also three ultimate skins. So the ultimate skins are 3250 in riot points, which equates to 25 bucks. Now there's only five of them for five specific champions now. Um, so that's, again, that's not a very common thing. So you're still making most of your money in microtransactions in this game off of the middle ground, if you will. <coughs> the 1820 is the legend is legendary. That's 14. And then you have 1350, which is the epic, which is. 10. The 975 would be the epic, I believe. Which is the 750. And then at 750. So then you have another tier basically is what it is what that's saying. Alright, so you got 1820. Now, see, this is where the breakdown is going to get a little murky because some skins still cost X amount because of their visual aids or their special effects or visual Well, my thing is you just calculate the skin cost because even though you probably got it from loot box and then pay Right, that's it, what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure out still where they Because this, this article is three years old, so I think the new point system is a little bit different. But anyway, so the 520 would be the legacy, I believe. Oh, the 750 is the sports skins, but those are all considered. I think the sports are the esports skins are considered epic. They're not legendary. So the cheapest skin in the game is now 520. Okay. So that's the flat. So the cheapest game, which would be the cheapest skin, would be 520 US. So they, the the four that I mentioned before for the legacy was more so a calculation for when skins are on sale. Like when a legacy skin is on sale. Okay. So when a 520 skin is on sale, it's like four bucks. But otherwise, it, it meets the 520 cost, which this says is four, but that's that can't be accurate. Okay, the skin price is 375. 
for my math. So on sale, the 520 skins are 375, but we're just going to use the flat cost. We're not going to count for sales because that's not a reliable, inconsistent thing. So we're going to go with 520. So quick math here, and I'm not going to cal calculate the chromas because they have a less than 4%, or less than $4 cost, sorry. So clear this out. So 158 times 5.2, 821, 6, right? Epic skins. That's 750 a piece. We have 115. Bam. That's another 862.50. Legendary is at 14 bucks a pop. We have five times. That's 70. And legendary is at 25 bucks a pop times five is 125. I'm making out better than I thought I was, you know. <laughs> so what's the end number? So in number one twenty five plus seventy plus eight sixty two twenty fifty plus eight twenty one sixty. So not calculating the gym the cost of gemstone skins, I've got eighteen hundred $79.10 in this game. Not calculating gems or chromas. Chromas. Um, we can actually calculate that real quick. So if we go to chromas, the flat cost of chromas are $290 per chroma. So $290 per chroma times 1.3. Just the last one. Eighteen, Let me write that down real quick. So take that. Two ninety. That's three dollars seventy-seven cents. So chromas are worth about. 377 piece times 25. That's 94.25. I think I'm going to make 25 times 3. 1445. So then add 1879. So that's 1973.35. 2002, right? Right. Now, let's look at the champions I actually use on a regular basis. According to my profile, 
my highest, my most played champions are Teemo, Shivana, Zenzao, Nautilus, Warwick, Maximum Mastery. I've got around 100,000 on each one or more in Mastery points, which means I play them fairly consistently, and I probably have multiple skins for each one. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, as they've gotten better skins, a player who plays them a lot naturally buys the better skins or gets them in a loot box and uses that skin more, the other skins become obsolete. That being said, I can still use any skin I want at any time that I play that champion, no matter what year. And this is a free-to-play game. I don't have to pay for a new skin. I don't have to repay to use the skin. Right? Even if I don't play League for another five years, unless... Riot goes out of business and discontinues League, which is not going to happen anytime soon. That money is set at a flat investment, and I've reaped that reward because I can choose whatever skin I want to match. Themes, Halloween, I can play Halloween skin, Christmas, Christmas skins, whatever. Okay? Yeah. That gives me a level of satisfaction that doesn't meet the quantity here. The number of hours I've played, the number of points I've gathered across all the other champions, not just my main champions, and how much fun I had, how much misery I've suffered, how much satisfaction I get, that is really not quantifiable. But if you're going to do it to a legal standard, legally speaking, I've put in just under two grand in this, into this free-to-play game across ten years, nine years, and I'm perfectly happy. And I still play this game regularly with friends and random people. And I hop into random voice chats with people. Right. You can't do that for FIFA. If I want to play, pick up FIFA World Cup so then 2013, two, two, two are those thousand, servers still good? 2,000 divided by 10, though. Which is what? 200? You want me to do 2,000 or the Raw Cup? 2,000. Okay. Divided by 10. That's 200. Right. So, but I'm spending, so I'm not even spending, by my math, I'm not even spending the average cost per scale. Now this doesn't. So I so I, so I'm pretty sure by the year mark, I will have spent probably forty dollars on Apex Legends, mm -hmm. and I'm happy as well. Right, and whereas again, we're you not spent arguing about the way it was done right, we're arguing about the way and the reason it was done wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's no rhyme or reason for AAA games other than battle battle royales, which is a new new game AAA game concept. Or application, rather. There's no reason for Star Wars Battlefront to have taken over a thousand hours of gameplay to unlock Darth Vader. There's no reason. Just to find out that if somebody else has a faster connection in the game, they get to pick Darth Vader first, then you can't be Darth Vader, even if they're on the opposite team. What is the how? What business practice makes that logical? Makes that justified? It doesn't. Right. 
But if you applied it this way, it works fine. I can jump into a game, and if the other enemy team picks my champion, then I want to play. I can play other champions. For pick other EA champions. for or I can play blind. For EA for Battlefront, that is the best. That's not true. Situation that they come up with that. That's not true. You have entire organizations and franchises and and top of the world sports teams built around these massive multiplayer online games at a competition level. Mm-hmm. We're talking the same organizations that have teams in League of Legends, yeah. Splice, Origin, Gigabytes Marines, right? Fnatic, right? G two. They're not just in League. These are organizations that have esports teams. They have a COD team. They have a a Halo team, I'm sure, despite the fact that Halo's gone way downhill, right? They have a, an Apex team. They have these teams, you these know organizations. Let's okay? see where Halo gameplay has become really good now. <laughs> I was playing Halo multiplayer the other day, and man, you getting smoke? Huh? You getting smoke? Well, it's just it's entertaining, man. Like the charges, mm-hmm. they totally took. From Destiny, shoulder charging from the Titans. No, that's been in the game since before Destiny came out. Shoulder charging? Yeah, they came out with assassinations and... uh, Well, slamming, though. Yeah, perk ability? Yeah. The slamming thing might be a new one. Yeah. No, they've had that. When you jump up and the Spartan fires the jets, comes down... No, that's new. Okay. They had that's a variation. A, that's a Halo it. Five. They had a variation of it for so they had execution models, right? For when you're in multiplayer. This was okay. introduced in like Halo Three and Halo Reach. And so you had uh, execution models where if you assassinated somebody instead mm-hmm. of just meleeing them, you did like animated assassination. Yeah. If you were above them in the air, you'd like knee them in the back and like spike them down kind of thing. You come up behind them, bend them back, break their neck, break their arm. Mm-hmm. That's been in, in development for a while. The uniquity of it um, has probably developed alongside different abilities. They threw in uh, armor augments, like different yeah. ability augments, like power, what is it, the power shield, whatever, they could blow mm-hmm. up a tank <laughs> if they were boosting into you. I'm um, so excited for Halo Infinite, though. I am too. I'm gonna be over here playing that shit with you. <laughs> I'm not buying another game console. But yeah, so back they to- may make it multi-platform though, so which is good. We'll see. They ain't letting that shit go, dog. That's the only mm. thing keeping Xbox alive. Mm-hmm. The Halo hype train. Probably it's the only reason Activision's still in business. Well, Microsoft has some really good titles right now. They do, and don't get me wrong, I the like Halo's some of them, but it's one. not enough to make. Halo is the only title they have that's big enough to make somebody go out at the holiday season and buy. PS4 is slowly trailing them, though. And they're getting ready to release the next generation of consoles next year? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Which is the other problem. This is the benefit of PC games and microtransactions. Mm -hmm. I can upgrade my PC and just re-download a PC game. True. It's very, like, I can't, if I have a PS4, right, which I do, I can't pop up FIFA 2013 with where my team may have won the World Cup that year and then play my team that I spent hours grinding to recreate. Which is where Stadia. I have to have a PS2. Right, which is where Stadia is going to, like, fuck. I think it's going to kind of rule. No, it's too expensive. People can't afford it. It's what? 800 bucks. Google Stadia? Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was just like a monthly monthly subscription thing. No, the controller is a universal controller. Oh. And it's too expensive because it works with your PS4 or Xbox, but it's too damn expensive to develop and sell. Mm-hmm. They might make it more efficient by the time it actually comes to market, but their 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 demo for it this year was like they said it was it was in the hundreds to to make it, so they'd have to sell it for even more. So that's fucking insane. <laughs> Which I mean, it is universal, but <laughs> sorry, you know if if I was a streamer, it would make sense to have because then no matter what's going on with my console stuff. Or my PC stuff, I have yeah. a backup way to access it. You know, my mouse dies or my controllers all get fucked up because I spilled water on them. Sure, I have a backup. Solid. Yeah. I know it's going to work. Sure. But as a casual person, I'm not spending game console money on a controller. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's not only the controller. It's also the subscription service. Yeah, that's And just, being yeah. able to access it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And with the increasing number of games that are signing on to be on Thadia, I think it'll compete very well with mm-hmm. like Game Pass and PlayStation Plus and stuff. Mm. So, again, realistically, I don't think there's any reason AAA games like Call of Duty, whether you're talking about Black Ops or whatever, or um, what they did in Halo 4 with multiplayer was fucking atrocious. Um, yeah. The loot boxes there were terrible. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. And it's like, if you spawned in with the team that had the most tank cards, you pretty much won. Yeah, Halo 5 Guardians seems to be pretty weird, too, how they do the whole mm-hmm. card-based system. I don't understand it. Yeah. Halo's just... I can see where it can be entertaining and cool, but it's also just got... The problem is all the good PvP people left <laughs> with the Bungie title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all, which is why when you play Crucible... It's, it feels so good to, the gunplay feels so good in Destiny because the same people who were the dev the developers and programmers for that content in Halo previously left with Bungie. And the lore creators, the content writers, the world builders stayed with One, three, three industries, which is why the Halo combat, while it's gotten a little better from game to game, story-wise the game has been extremely limited. It's been yeah. a shorter campaign series because of the number of people they left. And really because after they left, they took the name Bungie, and so Microsoft didn't feel like giving them as big a budget as 343 Industries to make Halo work. Yeah, They got the title, but they didn't get the brand name, which I think was the dumbest thing. Because you could have done Halo spinoff series, and if you slap Bungie on it, it would have sold well. And with Microsoft's backing, they would have had the money to just, they would have been able to justify as a brand yeah. at the budget meeting and say, no, bitch, give us like 30% of your budget this year because we're going to blow shit away at Christmas. Like, we're going to dominate E3 and PAX East and PAX West, and we're going to shit all over Sony. They, they should have kept the brand because they had the money to replace the people. Yeah. Not shitting on the people. But there are other good story writers out there. Every new generation brings in a new crop of people who are ready to put in 70 hours a week. Okay? They could have found the people to create and maintain Bungie and Halo. And they could have let Halo go and just let Bungie flush out the universe of Halo. Right. Like, don't even call it Halo. Just call it an expanded universe. Make the games. Make the OTS series. Make the Hell Helljumper series. Whatever. 
blow it away. And so you know what I'm, you know what one of my um, dreams is mm-hmm. right now is you know how they have the Call of Duty title and they have how Activision makes a title and sometimes Infinity War makes a title like mm-hmm. Infinity War makes the best Call of Duty titles. What if they took Titanfall and Apex Legends and just gave it to Bungie and was like, do one game. Make a masterpiece. I feel like <laughs> they would do that. Because I, I feel like the thing about I feel like they would spoil people, this is the other problem I run into Destiny, which is one of the reasons I quit playing PvP primarily <clears throat> in the game, was that I kept running into people, like just in, in comms and stuff like that, and people in general in the Crucible gameplay was they were former COD players, and they were shit. They were absolute shit because they weren't used to being in long-term strafing front-to-front firefights, right? Yeah. They weren't used... They were used to the grenade mechanics and jumping mechanics, but they weren't really used to, like, the shield mechanics and how long and how accurate you had to be in a fire in a gunfight yeah. with a, with another player and how you had to like track because you're open and exposed right because if you're shooting at somebody 9 times out of 10 they're shooting at you right unless you're on a sniper and you're picking off a head or a foot right mm-hmm. so in destiny destiny's gameplay because it developed by Bungie and the builders kind of got split a lot of the destiny gameplay feels like Halo 3 and Halo Reach gameplay, the gunfight, the gameplay, the shield mechanics, the regen times, that kind of thing, reload speeds, the where it's the crosshairs sit, and that kind of thing. It all kind of visual visually works the way Halo does. So if you came up on Halo, yeah, you were used to that. You were used to the strafing and the ducking and the bobbing and weaving and the dealing with topographical changes in the map and that kind of thing. Whereas COD yeah, players... Halo set the stage, man. Yeah, and then COD players came along. I mean, literally, you have a generation of just COD players because Halo took a back seat. Yeah. Um, that are used to, like, firefights and kill shots that are over in, like, two seconds or less. Yeah. They're not used to a four, five, ten, twenty-second firefight where you're having to check and recheck and check and recheck and check and recheck your six, you know? And so they were just shit. And yeah. Destiny won. Which is why I love Apex. Crucible's gotten a lot better. It's gotten COD tougher players, since. Which is why I love Apex, because when COD players come in Apex, they you can't handle it. They can't handle it, <laughs> because they don't realize that they have 200 points of damage if you have the best shield on, Yeah. and it takes a while to punch through that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it watching you play. It's like, I see you take some shots, I'm like, that person's got way more shields. But yeah. you know, that's the nice thing. You know, that's the risk and reward for titles that you choose to invest in. But for me, I definitely reap the rewards of coming up on Halo Combat Evolved on the Xbox One, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and I've played, I played a fair bit of COD, but when Destiny came out, even though it was shittier, shittier story than COD story, I still <clears> played it because the PvP was so so rewarding for people who were hardcore first-person shooters coming out of prolonged firefight experience. I got that Destiny, I got that Halo feel in Destiny, mm-hmm. but then I had, like, the caveat of, like, hey, bitch, I've got a super. Right. I'm gonna fly across the air and kill you. Let me tell you what you want to do if you're a person that likes either third- or first-person shooters and you want to <laughs> go and wreck in a couple matches in any game that you want. <laughs> 
Let me tell you the secret sauce. And I did this <laughs> secret sauce. I did this today. This is how you <laughs> let's say you want to go into Apex Legends and you want to just wreck for a couple games. Mm-hmm. Load up PUBG first. <laughs> Jesus. Because PUBG is so unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is the most unforgiving shooter I've ever played in my life. Mm-hmm. Play a couple games of PUBG and then load whatever game you want and you will be on point. <laughs> that's the secret sauce right there, guys. Because if you don't know, Players Unknown Battlegrounds is a battle royale, but they have a feature where you can switch between third and first person in-game. But the firefights and the mechanics are so unforgiving that if you play a couple matches of that and you switch over to another game, like, and you you dedicated enough to trying to get the skill down in PUBG, mm-hmm. that you'll just totally dominate and wreck in any other shooting game. I guarantee you. So because it's just you've acclimated yourself to a game of a higher difficulty, and then you drop down to a game of a lower difficulty. That's always what I've done. Like, mm-hmm. if I want to go and Call of Duty and wreck, I just play any other game. Because <laughs> every other what, shooter if, is... If you're, is not, if you're not into, like, the uh, long-form firefight combat with just one person kind of thing, um, and but you want to get better at COD, the best thing you can do is play hardcore. Oh, yeah. Hardcore, because hardcore is so punishing, and it, not because... Not because you don't have a radar, although that does suck, but not having a radar makes your ears better. You, you pick up on the audio cues that the, the developers have taken the time to put into the game that you yeah. miss when you're relying on eyesight because humans are predominantly sight-based creatures. But if you take that off and train your eyes to focus on the screen and rotate around the screen, you know, checking your spots, getting used to your strafing speed, how fast your sensitivity is, you're going to naturally realize that you can function with a higher sensitivity on your X, Y axis. And then you're going to start to pick up on the audio cues. The audio cues are what really comes in handy when you're talking about getting good. Because that you hear a person way before you see them and way before they can shoot you, right? You put a claymore down and a person with a speed class runs over it. You hear it with your ear. You remember where you put that claymore. You know how long it takes okay. to get down that hallway. You know how much time you have to turn around. Or maybe you should just crouch down and prone and wait. And this is where I totally think video games are going to lead us into like a virtual reality world. Oh, I can't wait. I feel like uh, I feel like more than I can't anything, wait for all a this full dive VR system. All this Apex I'm playing is just like grooming me for virtual reality world. Oh, I can't wait. The problem with the VR world, and for for those of you who are super interested in the evolution of gaming, the next big forefront is virtual reality, right? Oh, yeah. And making it cheap and consumer friendly and viable, but. What we're talking about is the step beyond just virtual or augmented reality. We're talking about a full dive system. Yeah. And if Ready you're not player familiar, one type stuff. Right. If you're not familiar with that, um, it's similar to like an Air Force level flight simulator. Yeah. Or like Ready Player One if you're. If right. You're if you're familiar with uh, or pop the culture, book. check out Ready Player One, the book or the movie. Or if you're an anime buff. Or if you're not an anime buff and you want to, you really want to know what the Sword implications are, 
check out Sword Art Online. It's yeah. a decent anime. It's a relatively short series, but you get the point of a full dive system within the first The only episode. thing I don't like about Sword Art Online <clears throat> is the transitions between episodes are not really clearly defined. Which, right, because they're trying to fit in yeah. three years into like 25 episodes. Yes. But I think they do a decent enough job with character development that they, did, that they do. But it is episodic. Yeah. Well, not really, though, because it's more like... It's more like Slice of Life mixed with gaming. Mm. Yeah. And so they take the concepts of real world and they trap... Uh, uh, they trap, like, 300 kids or 2,000 people. This game developer goes crazy. Wants to see if he can become make a world himself and become god of it, which he does. And he traps people in a full dive system, right? Yeah. Which inputs all five of your um, main senses into a virtual input system, and then the game ties into your, basically your cerebral cortex. It sends electrical impulse signals to your cerebral cortex based on your experiences in the game to give you the feeling that you're actually in the game. And the problem right now is that we have two senses that we can't really create in a virtual system. Smell is extremely difficult to, em to emulate in a virtual world. Well, not really, because it's we... It's extremely well, difficult, it's because, difficult of the, but because we know how it works. We know how it works, but to mm. get it into a digital print is yeah. very difficult, because it keys into our memory factors a lot more than our other senses do, right? So we rely on eyesight a lot, which has a strong correlation with our memory factor factories. Mm -hmm. And we rely on our smell a lot, which also has a strong connection. But our hearing is stronger than our sense of smell. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to digitalizing it, because smells can get so complicated... And because they tie into our memory so strongly, it's hard to create a system that can accurately imitate smells for everybody, right? To say that sm something that smells bad to me or you could smell great to somebody else. Like, some people can't stand the smell of gasoline. Mm -hmm. And other people are like, I could sit here all day and huff it. because mm -hmm. Not because they want to get high, because they like the smell. Some mm -hmm. people like the smell of sawdust. Or the smell of fall. Not like pumpkin spice latte shit, but like actually the smell of like fall. Dampness due, damp dew in the morning on slightly brown leaves, right? Mm -hmm. That spicy harvest time smell. Other people like the smell of rain, like the smell of wet earth, mm -hmm. and others don't. So because taste is so subjective, it's hard to create a a schematic, a digital schematic for everybody to, to function off of. Because it would, so if you did that, right, if you digitized it and you're playing the game and you like the smell of damp earth after rain, but the game that you're playing is wired to tell you that it's a negative smell because it serves as a warning for a monster, right? Maybe there's like a giant worm monster that comes up after the rain and you kill it, you get a rare item, whatever. The problem is the feedback system. If your brain gets told something that it likes is a bad thing because your memory of it is so strongly related in a positive manner to you, if you're given that sensation in a negative way, it creates a feedback reverb in the system and causes an error. Yeah. 
in a full dive system, that could be catastrophic. It could cause a delay, it could cause a loop, it could cause a simulation trap, and that locks you in to that loop the same way your computer gets stuck in a loop when your uh, uh, web browser is running slow and you hit refresh and cancel like 50 times. Yeah. You don't want that to happen to your mind, okay? You can hard boot your computer, you can't hard boot your head. That's just called death by blunt force trauma. Like, that's not good. Right. So that's the difficult thing. And so that's the that's really the last big hurdle. They can build the tech for it. We have the technology to do it. It's not really commercialized yet, but if you could do that, obviously the funding would come in from the government for military training purposes, and that would create a company big enough to be able to commercialize it, right? Unfortunately, the oral faculties and the smell sensation is the hardest thing to emulate. The other thing is... Um, the correlation between your five senses and consciousness and getting your consciousness to believe something that's not real. Humans inherently strive against the fake, right? And it's this instinctual thing that all creatures do because humans have this cognitive dissidence to recognize, to feel when something in their natural environment is off, Mm -hmm. right? You come home and you're like, I don't think I left that book there. And then you remember, oh, that's right. Mom came by, so she must have moved it. Right? You know that's not where you do something, but it's off a little. And you can't remember why, but you know. Right? That's your five senses coalescing into your conscious input that you then output back into your environment and go, this is not how I left it. Or this is not how it's supposed to be. And the human ability for that Although it's very rare and slight, because we're such creatures of habit, in a full dive system, it would create another set of error codes that you have to be able to mitigate and safeguard against, right? It would create, at some point, you get input from from the game, and you remember that you're in a game. And so it wouldn't process in your head, and so the game wouldn't be able to move forward. It'd cause an error, because it would say that it didn't register with you, and so the system would flag and go, okay, there's something wrong with your input. You need to disconnect and restart your connection in the middle of your quest or your raid, right? Mm-hmm. So um, particularly in, in relationship to death, right? The trick is to get your consciousness to understand that you're still playing a game so that when you die, you don't go into anaphylactic shock or you don't have a seizure, Right, when you get hit with a paralysis spell in a game, right? That's the real problem in how consciousness in our bodies works versus how consciousness in a game works. Right, now for gamers, we understand it, but when our senses are telling our brain, the brain will tell the body to react in X amount of ways. Right, the brain is not going to tell the body if this isn't a real signal. That's the other major bridge we have to cross to make a full dive system to get the brain to functionally tell the body it's a fake impulse so don't go don't code don't have a heart attack don't have a seizure right that's the trick that we can't really guarantee that we can't do right now but one i think you're not going to be able to i don't think you will either but that's the thing about a full dive system is that because I mean, the if first you just full dive systems will basically 
function the same way a bypass system works in a in an open heart surgery. Well, my thing, yeah, but my thing is, like if you look at things ones. that are not directly connected to your body and your senses, that take a little bit of immersion. We don't even have fully control over that. Like, if you have a pilot in the cockpit of a jet and that jet is going down, like, sometimes you have a pilot sitting there having a heart attack because you know he's about to die. Right. The stress levels are too much. Exactly. So, or, like, even if you have a fighter pilot that is undergoing PTSD in a dogfight, like, Mm -hmm. or you're not connected to the hardware, but you're still being affected by the experience. I don't think we're ever going to be able to take away that connection between what we're experiencing. Right, and that's where memory comes gonna, into place. That's, right. that's what causes the issues in digitizing scent or in, di- in digitizing smell, mm-hmm. especially people who have PTSD. Or digitizing anything. Cause right, although some you can, specifically speaking, um, virtual reality has been shown to be effective therapy for PTSD patients. And yeah. in terms of using the ex- the, a specific technique called exposure therapy, mm-hmm. which gradually, slowly reduces the, the severity of PTSD episodes in patients, um, be them war veterans or domestic assault. Yeah, but I, I feel like with I feel like with the more senses you perfect with the deep dive, the harder the harder is, is going to be the unplug. Yeah, yeah, it's harder on the consciousness, and then it's going to be harder to get people to unplug and come back to the real world because in a virtual world you can live the life you want. Well, not even that. I just think that when you're in those life or death situations where somebody does get triggered, I feel like it's going to be harder for your senses to unplug right. from the from, yeah, because from you're, the VR. And you're going into VR. such a deep memory, yeah. and then the feedback loop is recreating that because your consciousness is going to dominate. Right, Your your consciousness, when you have a PTSD episode, is going to be sending its own signals out yeah. that the systems, that the full dive system would pick up on. And then that's going to clash with what the system is trying to tell you. And it's going to create this discord that traps you in that loop, right? You're going to be trapped in your own emotional loop from the PTSD episode, but then you're still going to be trapped in your plug-in loop from the system because the system is going to be giving system error codes because you're giving in false inputs for what it knows. Right. And it's going to be trying to override your consciousness with its own signal, which Mm -hmm. can cause a psychotic break, which could cause disillusions and illusions of grandeur to set in. And it, it, it would resemble a, a, um, a schizophrenic break, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Which is unfav- unbelievably unfathomably Jesus. Unfathomably. There we go. Unfathomably terrible. And as far as marketing goes and making it commercially available, nothing sells better to parents of children than saying possible concerns to watch out for. Delusions of grandeur, mild homicidal tendencies, and schizophrenic <laughs> breaks. Please seek help immediately if your right. kid starts wielding an axe and speaking in tongues. Like, no, that's not going to sell at Christmas. Right. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> So it's not. So we're ways off from it. But if it's a lot, if it's around by the time I don't, I'm an old man, bitch, I'm living in that world. Right. I'm spending my time in a brothel the whole time. Right. 
assuming I outlive my wife. Love you. <laughs> um, but no, seriously though, it would be it would be really amazing to just have that, especially for like a temporary escape, right? Yeah. Um, video games, particularly violent video games, contrary to the common media narrative and the political narrative by politicians, games that have specific and express acts of violence to actually tend to be very therapeutic for people who are under high stress. It's a good way for them to blow off stress without serious consequence. And there's no correlation in mentally healthy people, I should clarify, that links regularly playing violent games with blood and gore in them or sexually suggestive themes that links them to deviant or negative behavior in the real world. It actually has been shown to decrease those tendencies because it gives you a release. It gives you a, a way out to let that stress escape the same way, um, or not the same way, but in a similar way that high-intensity exercise does, right? If you go and run for an hour or two hours straight, when you're done... You're so exhausted, you just don't care about the bullshit from the internet that day. Right. It's been, and that's been proven as well. There are studies out there on it. You can look them up. They're pretty easy to find. Um, medical practitioners, particularly those in alternative medicine or uh, holistic medicine, will be able to give testimony to the credence of that effectiveness, both for themselves and for their patients. Um and there's also a number of medical professional medical journals that have published papers on this. Um, you you always hear from health gurus or health um, communicators is what I would call them or health influencers on social media things like that um, about healthy living. That exercise is extremely important, not because it's just good for your biosystems, which it is, but also because it helps reduce stress because it releases positive endorphins in your body mm -hmm. consistently and on a regular basis if you exercise regularly. And those endorphins help mitigate the side effects of high-intensity stress at work, social life, personal life, trauma. Those, those positives help mitigate that negativity, which gives an overall increase to your health because if you have too many negative... Uh, inputs in your system you're obviously going to feel bad i mean that's that's how your body knows that it's sick it's getting a bunch of negative inputs from the different systems in the body and it goes okay i'm sick mobilize the antibodies stress is the same way right so exercise is a really good thing for that but for people who don't like to exercise, can't exercise for whatever reason. Maybe you're an agoraphobe, fear of going outside, whatever. Maybe you're a business rep and you don't have time in your day to spend two hours running. You know, you can play Call of Duty for an hour. And it doesn't really matter if you're great at it. You can be that dude who runs around with a freaking grenade launcher all game, if that makes you happy. And you can reduce your stress that way. Now, I'm not Nobody saying... Nobody likes a noob tuber, okay? Uh, I like a rat shield and a rocket launcher myself with mm. some uh, Semtex. <laughs> okay. Um, 
That being said, there is no replacement for physical exercise and the preventative health benefits of physical exercise. So right. get off your computers, get off your phones, get off your tablets, get off your social media. Do something. I, I'm not telling you to go to a gym, be a gym rat. I'm not telling you to eat quinoa and green shakes every morning. <laughs> okay. I'm just telling you, go do some push-ups in between your gaming matches. Go uh, do some squats or some lunges. Get the blood flowing again. No one wants uh, diabetes, and no one wants to have to deal with temporary sensation loss in your muscles from sitting around too long for four years. I feel like every time Gambler gives you some advice, that's definitely the end of the podcast. No. <laughs> Although... We've been at this for two hours and and two hours, 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 35 minutes and 34 seconds is what Jesus, all right. right Yeah, we could could go back and forth about the uh, culture (laughs) of microtransactions, but I think this is a solid No, I think this is a solid, this is is going to be a solid one that's going to stay here for a while. We're probably not going to talk about this for a while. This is pretty good. Which is good because there are other things we need to talk about. There are. And we're going to come at that with y'all next time. We'll see you. Peace. Peace. All right, folks, that was the podcast. We hope you enjoyed talking to us about loot boxes and deep dive into a virtual reality world and video games. It's some cool stuff. Um, If you want to find this podcast, you can find it on Stitcher, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or on Google Play Music, um, or wherever you get your podcast soon. We can say that. Um, you can donate to Money Sign A Space Podcast on the Cash App if you'd like to donate to us. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at aspacepodcast at gmail.com. We're also um, on Instagram and Twitter at A Space Podcast. That's at A Space Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Don't Thank forget you. to like, follow, and subscribe. Like, follow, and subscribe. Bye. Peace.